Chevy Equinox with forward collision alert, automatic emergency braking, and available all-wheel drive. It's my ultimate mobile device. Go to ChevyDriveChicago.com to schedule a test drive. Chevy Equinox. It's your choice. Own it. What a delightful breath of fresh air in our news department this morning. Oh, thank you. Don Kleppen filling in for Schwanee. Indeed. In for Schwan, man. No one nagging me this morning. Nobody <laughs> bugging me. It's like not. Ha- it's like when you uh, get that pebble out of your shoe that's been bugging you for thirty years. Oh, that popcorn kernel out of your teeth. Popcorn. Swanee's <laughs> oh, yeah. often been compared to a piece of kernel in your th- <laughs> stuck, stuck in your bicuspid. Uh, that's on his, it's on his business card, isn't it? it <laughs> yeah, but a very nice job, uh, Don. Thank very, you. Very smooth. Very. Relaxing. Thank you. I've got some big shoes to fill, and uh, I believe Dave is uh, traveling. I believe he's elsewhere this weekend. Well, you know, he deserves it. Yeah. He works hard. You know, these five minutes once per hour, that, that could kill a guy. Sheeran starting us off today. I'm in love with your body. I had Soldier Field last night. I'm in love with Not bad for an, like an intimate show, Soldier Field. <laughs> Your, uh, what, Beyonce did two nights there. Taylor Swift did uh, 15, something like that. 22, yeah. Seemed like more than that. Yep. But uh, I didn't go, but I heard that uh, the Ed Sheeran show was amazing. I like Ed Sheeran. I like his music a lot. Are you a fan, Andy? Yeah, a, a little bit. I, I, my nieces listen to him. You're not in love with the shape of I'm him? not in love with his, the shape of things, no. But, you know, I could be convinced and coerced. You're more of a yacht rock man, aren't you? I like the yacht rock, and I live in the '80s musically. Who did you just go see? I saw Cheap Trick. I, I keep tra- I keep track of Andy's yeah. uh, entertainment habits on fa- Facebook. Cheap Trick at the Metro a couple weekends ago. What? Yeah, you went to the Metro. Yeah, first time ever. How about that? Wow. And you know, I'll tell you this: going to the Metro, as short as I am, it's not good. <laughs> Because <laughs> it's a stand-up, but you got to stand up. You yeah. got to stand up for the whole thing. Yeah, but it's cool. It was fun. Uh, Don, are you a, are you a metro person? I uh, I have been. I uh, also uh, had a, you know not a huge fan of standing the whole time <laughs> no. during the show. But uh, yeah, I'm just I li- lazy. I it's like wait, where are the seats? <laughs> exactly. I'd rather have a place to not sit. Not everybody is 18 on this joint. I know. Yeah, had energy for it before. Uh-huh. I I do like some Ed Sheeran though. What stuff that I've heard? Not I'm not. I don't really. I can't name any of the I songs. Like his music. Yeah, but it's, it's catchy. Very pleasant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did I see that he was uh, slinging hot dogs? The other day? Wiener Circle. At the Wiener Circle? He yeah. was swinging hot dogs at the Wiener Circle. I mean, man, the guy is serving the people. I'll bet he was uh, dishing out some of the language that they do <laughs> over at the Wiener Circle. Also. <laughs> He's been known for uh, that sort of thing. Do you know what he did? This is pretty interesting. He uh, uh, He's uh, got a new album out. Some of the songs he felt were not conducive for a giant arena performance. So he did a show on Friday night at the Chicago Theater, hmm. to do, which is also not a tiny venue, but obviously smaller than Soldier Field. But he threw a, threw a special a concert on Friday night, sold out, uh, and uh, so so we got kind of a surprise double uh, night of uh, Ed Sheeran in Chicago. Yeah, that's at two different venues too. Two different but venues, classic yeah. ones, both. Yeah, that's not, awesome. Not to mention uh, a nice char dog over at the Wiener <laughs> Circle. 
I think, I think their sign said no edge up. Yeah. <laughs> Not it, yeah. Mm. With a uh, side order of F-bomb. Uh-huh. Right. Over there. That's what they're famous for. I'm trying to think my last uh, Metro show. And partially it was because I had to stand up and I'm lazy. <laughs> but mostly it was Poi Dog Pondering. Ah, oh, okay. You like oh, the Poi Dog Pondering? I remember them, yeah. I like the yeah. like Poi Dog Pondering. I was really looking forward to the show and it was packed. Pa- packed, packed, packed. Sh- shoulder to shoulder, standing up. And everybody, including myself, had a beer or some kind of cocktail. I left that place drenched, not in sweat, mm. but in old style or whatever they mm-hmm. whatever they served. I was just completely covered in beer. Dang. From people <laughs> dancing and enjoying the music. And the more drenched I got, the more old man I got. <laughs> like, oh, why don't you kids watch out where you're, you're spilling beer on me? Uh-huh. It's not fun. I had a couple of those moments during the Cheap Trick concert as well. Right. Got to throw some elbows in that place. Uh-huh. I uh, retired to a corner where <laughs> old people are supposed to stand. <laughs> maybe I've aged out of going to the Metro. This was quite a while ago. Yeah. So maybe, maybe I aged out a long time ago. But I'll bet Cheap Trick was great. It was a lot of fun, yeah. they. Uh, I'll bet. I forgot about how, how many songs they actually had. Yeah. Mm. That's a huge catalog of, uh, of songs that they played. Yeah. We always think of, you know, I Want You to Want Me. Yep. Like the Surrender. Hits. And, right. Uh, but uh, the, the, and, and they put on a good show, too. They're a good stage band. Yeah, and there's, it's starting to become a family affair there because I believe Robin Zander's son is now in the band. I think Rick Nielsen's kid is in the band because um, one of the founding members left. Right. Uh, the drummer. Uh, yeah, and his kid took over, right? Yeah. Didn't his kid take over the Yeah, so it's becoming drumming. like uh, you know the new cheap trick. Wow. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, I, I interviewed them... Uh, several years ago, right when the new drummer had started, mm-hmm. that was it was a big deal that there was a new guy in the band, uh, and they just they couldn't be nicer, more down to earth, and I attribute that to their Midwest roots. Oh yeah, Rockford, Rockford's very own. Mm-hmm. Yep. That Midwest nice, appreciate it's Midwest that. Midwest nice. I know people. When I'm in New York or L.A., people are like, "Oh, oh, Chicago." It's like, yeah, we're nice people. Mm-hmm. That's right. And yeah. we keep trashing our alleys. Sorry you don't have any. You want to make something of it? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, the 847 area code said that they stood for eight hours uh, for a Green Day concert and eight hours for the Foo Fighters. Wow. A few Oof. weeks ago in Milwaukee. Man. It was general admission. That is stamina. Yeah. I like both Green Day and Foo Fighters, but I'm sorry. I'm out. Right. No, thank you. I'm not going to stand up for eight hours. Wow. It's too long. I'm too old. Can can I get a nice recliner someplace? Yeah. It'd be nice to have have that little section there for the older people. Right. To be able to recline. Movie theaters have done it, right? Like you can now kick back. You've got the little leg lift. Like, let's get some... Nice well, seats at concerts. You know, this uh, new theater that I did a story on for television a couple of weeks ago in Batavia, uh, the e, I think it's called E-Cinema. Oh, yeah, the, mm. the big, huge screen, right? It's got a, the screen, Andy, is as large as an NBA basketball court. Oh, my boy. God. That's how they put it into terms so you understand it. The screen is as large as an NBA basketball Which court. Which is 94 feet. It's ridiculous. It's It's so big. Uh, and it's a, obviously a huge auditorium, but the uh, the seats, the first several rows are uh, they're, they're like couches. Hmm. 
So, but like, you know, because nobody wants to sit in the front row, right? Right, right. But if you can kind of lay down yeah. in, in a reclining, it's not, it's actually, I tried it out. It's like very comfortable. Nice. Yeah. So that's, uh, who's, who said that they were going to go see uh, Barbie? Oh, Don said. Oh, uh, yeah. Before the show, you're going to go see Barbie? Yeah, uh, Tuesday night. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Gretchen and I, uh, my wife, are going to go to the, Wrigley, the Wrigleyville Alamo Draft House oh, Theater. Also very nice. Mm-hmm. Also very nice. And they have uh, $7 tickets on Tuesdays. Oh, so you can't beat that. I know. I was like, man. Although, wouldn't a nice hour and a half drive out to Batavia be nice? <laughs> <laughs> a nice drive Scenic. that's as long as the movie. <laughs> totally worth back it. and forth. Yeah. Right. Well, if you see Oppenheimer, it's the same as the drive back and forth. Yeah, right, that's yeah. true. That makes the time worth it, yeah. Oppenheimer. And to see Barbie on such a big screen. Oh yeah, to see her Just blasted by pink, giant Pepto Bismol blonde <laughs> head. See all that pink and <laughs> such NBA court like glory. <laughs> right. Wow. Can't avoid it. That's a lot to take. <laughs> That's a lot to take. That, that is a lot to take. Um, so, uh, Shwani's out today, uh, and I will be doing your far-flung forecast. Nice. Right on. I will be your uh, substitute far-flung forecaster for today. Today's flinger. Uh, right. I will be, <laughs> will be flinging it more than usual today. <laughs> a little more than usual today. And here's what I discovered putting together uh, today's far-flung forecast. How incredibly easy it is. Oh. I thought, you know, like Shwani spent days researching it. I had the whole thing done in about five minutes. (laughs) Yeah, on those occasions that I filled in as well, it's, it's, you know, it's incredibly easy. easy. It's the easiest. uh, I, I can't believe we've been propping this up as you know Shwani's made it sound like he's Oppenheimer himself <laughs> uh, you know developing uh, something here uh, it's like super easy he's the far-flung daddy he is the far-flung daddy that's exactly right um, Lollapalooza talking about music Lollapalooza starts this coming Thursday uh, where I love uh, hanging out with uh, the kids and the kids love hanging out with their Uncle D <laughs> The annual event. <laughs> Every year it gets a little worse, uh, you know, where they're uh, like, oh, uh, yes, sir, you can come and stand here. Now, if only the people at the Metro had been there. Yeah, right. good point. Good point. The so Lollapalooza inviting. kids, respect the, the, an Uncle Dean out there sweating, <laughs> uh, you know, standing out uh, there wondering who half the artists are that they're talking about. Uh, but... Uh, you know, there every year. I'm predicting this year. I'm going to feel like everyone's grandfather. Yeah, when I'm out there, and I literally could be every most most everybody's grandfather being out there. You know, it's difficult when I you know I was in the music, you know, playing music earlier yeah, in my man. career. Andy Mazur with you, baby. And if here's Andy Gibb, and if Lollapalooza was around at that point, you know, I would know every band. I would know every single one of them, of even course. the indie bands, because I would, you know, be t- be talking to record yeah. people about that. Yeah. Now I, yeah, I'm just like cat of beans. I'm like, wait a minute, is that one of those new drugs that they're advertising on TV, or is that a band, <laughs> right. pharmaceutical or music performer? Exactly. That would be a good quiz to have. That's yeah. pretty good. I like that. We name uh, <laughs> we name some bands, and you have to guess whether it's a pharmaceutical or a band playing Lollapalooza. <laughs> the Ozempics. <laughs> the Tremphians. <laughs> One of them may cause diarrhea. <laughs> right. Or both. Yeah, or both, exactly. Uh, so, anywho, uh, Lollapalooza starts this coming Thursday. Naturally, I'll be out there on Thursday morning, like I always am. Uh, and uh, 
thought uh, today we'd go back and play the one-on-one interview that I did last year with Lollapalooza founder Perry Farrell. Super nice guy. We've interviewed him every year since Lollapalooza came to Chicago. It's a little bit of a tradition. And uh, we'll probably, uh, it hasn't been confirmed yet, but we'll, I'm, I'm sure we're going to sit down and talk with Perry again this year. Last year, he gave us the exclusive uh, uh, story that they had renewed a 10-year contract to bring, continue to bring Lollapalooza here to uh, Chicago. So he broke some news with us last year. That's right. Later on, we'll uh, have that. We have actor Jeff Perry on the show today, because I'm only having guests who somehow have Perry in their name uh, <laughs> as guests on the show today. And uh, Dr. Kevin Most is uh, out today. We think that he's vacationing with uh, Dave Schwan. We're, we're pretty sure they're uh, at a and b somewhere in Saugatuck. Uh, uh, the, <laughs> so we have... Uh, Diane, uh, Dr. Brian Babka will be joining us today, who is a sports medicine uh, physician. Alliterative yeah. name. I like that. It is. That we, we, that's the only way we book people on this show. <laughs> I appreciate that. If we can somehow have fun with their names. <laughs> um, so, Andy, if you have any uh, sports uh, you know, medicine questions. Yeah. I wonder what he has to say about uh, LeBron James' uh, well, that son. Was, that yeah. was the main reason that we booked him yeah. uh, today, so we could dig a little deeper uh, into that but I, I think a lot of people have i mean there's a, uh, what's what's the son's name Bronny? Bronny, yeah right Bronny. yeah uh we you know lebron posted some uh video i guess on instagram of Bronny playing the piano yeah uh you know showing that he's doing very well which is great but you know how how concerned should parents be uh you know about their kids uh playing sports uh, that we're going to get into that and uh, much more. I got a few aches and pains myself as long as we have a sports doctor yes. uh, on the line. That's really the main reason that we do this medical segment is I like to address my own personal ailments and uh, things that I'm going through. Might and as well. Out, and give out medical advice. And give out medical. <laughs> Stole it out. That's the new thing that we started a few weeks ago, giving out <laughs> medical advice, even though we have zero qualifications uh, to do that. And, ladies and gentlemen, we present to you our far-flung forecast for today uh, that uh, I have uh, spent days researching and (laughs) putting together easily as much effort as Dave Schwann puts into it every week. Uh, We'll get to all of that coming up next. This week, presented by your substitute host, Dean doesn't like to stand up at concerts. Richards and doesn't like beer spilled on me. Just a few of the many things that I don't like. Uh, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Andy, good morning. Welcome, good morning. Welcome to the f- fake feature. Uh, and uh, have you gotten out your protractor? What does he say? Get Com- out your compasses pro- and protractors. No, I don't under exactly I don't understand that. Yeah, yeah. I think he's talking about uh, you know the the radius on, on the map. You know where you might be able to find these locations well, we br- i mean he started saying it once we said you could go on like google maps and right. look up instead he's getting out his compass that he had from eighth grade he wants to go old school and his protractor which i still don't understand i don't either i don't understand there's so many things about Shawnee <laughs> i don't understand but today uh, we uh take you to spring wells township Michigan. Springwells Township, Michigan. It is uh, a lovely hamlet uh, just outside of the Detroit area. And the subject of uh, today's far-flung forecast 
uh, his uh, his father was born in County Cork in Ireland, and his mother was from the uh, Detroit area. So that's how they wound up in that area. And as this young man uh, grew up, uh, when he was 12 years old, his father uh, gave him a lovely pocket watch as a gift. And uh, it was in no time at all that he dismantled and reassembled the pocket watch a dozen different times because people couldn't believe that a young boy like this was able to do this and he gained a reputation of being extremely mechanical and you know very good at fixing things he went to work later on as an apprenticed machinist uh, in the detroit area he became very adept at operating the westinghouse portable steam engine and Andy, I don't know about you. That is my favorite of the portable steam engines. Yeah, it's it's the most popular. That's too. the one that people love the most. Uh, it, while he was working at this place in a his farm workshop, his family had a farm there, which he hated working at. By the way, didn't like working on the farm, and said that he was going to do something else someday. But in the, his farm workshop, he started working on uh, his own uh, motors and things. Which you know, this is. This is like 1875. This is, you know, long before, you know, motors are uh, uh, a common uh, kind of thing. And he determined that steam was not the most suitable for for powering lightweight vehicles. And in 1892, he completed his first motor car that was powered by a two-cylinder, four-horsepower motor that had a two-and-a-half-inch bore and six-inch stroke connected to a counter shaft to a belt and then to the rear wheel by a chain. Are you following that whole thing? I'm trying to picture it in my head. Okay. So it's a car you can walk faster then. All right. We, Got a little sketch going here. When you get it going, let me know because I don't even I don't understand one word of what I just said. But he developed this. It's a gasoline-powered engine then. Uh, took this thing out and drove it for about a thousand miles. In 1896, he developed a, a second and then third one again in his home workshops, and that led to a career with. Uh, companies building these motors and eventually his own company which he named after himself henry ford was born on this day july 30th 1863 Hmm. 160 years ago today wow gave us uh, henry ford and it's a fast a very fascinating uh life and career that he had really uh, with the Model T, with uh, the development of uh, you know all kinds of cars uh, that have come and go, uh, the Model A, his, putting his son Edsel in, in charge of the company, famously one of uh, the biggest failures in the automotive industry. In 1906, he wrote an article uh, that talked about the the dangers of cigarette smoking. How about that for being hmm, way prescient, ahead, way ahead of his time. Yeah, yeah. So. Henry Ford is. Uh, oh, I was supposed to look up the temperature, wasn't I? Hindu. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I forgot you're supposed part of the to plan. do that as part of this whole thing. It's about the. What is it right here in Chicago, uh, Don? Uh, seventy-five. Yeah, in uh, Springwells uh, Township, Michigan, seventy-five degrees right now. We think. I'm just making that part up. <laughs> Dean Richards, Sunday morning on WGN. Uh, Dr. Kevin Moses. 
taken uh, a Sunday off today, but leaving us in the very capable hands of Dr. Brian Babka, a uh, sports medicine physician with Northwestern Medicine's Regional Medical Group. Uh, Doctor, uh, very nice to have you with us on the show today. Hello. Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So uh, let's start off with what has uh, you know been one of the biggest stories of the week, uh, and that was the cardiac arrest suffered by LeBron James' son, uh, Bronny. Uh, how common is something like that with uh, a young man? So as we talk about cardiac events, uh, particularly in our athletes, it's not necessarily uncommon. So if you really look at the data, about one in 2,100 black Division One basketball players will have a cardiac event. About one in 5,000 white Division One basketball players will have a cardiac event. So it is something that everyone needs to be aware of, and it needs to be trained. And I think the beauty is the awareness that's kind of come to sports cardiology and sports cardiology issues over the years. Uh, COVID actually was a nice jump start in terms of awareness. Um, but then we had the DeMar Hamlin situation and now the Bronny situation. So to move things forward in terms of education, awareness, training, uh, these events will hopefully do that for us. Yeah, a couple of uh, you know great things is, number one, he's okay. He seems to be doing fine. Number two, it's brought a lot of awareness to this subject. Um, but he's 18 years old, cardiac arrest at 18 years old. And you say that it's not all that uncommon for uh, no, so, for an athlete, huh? No, so a couple of things that happen. So obviously, when you're an elite athlete or an avid exerciser, there's going to be cardiac adaptations. So when we talk about cardiovascular fitness, you know, there's endurance changes to the heart, there's strength changes. So an athlete's heart becomes very efficient. So it's going to pump a ton of blood, you know, per beat, uh, because it has to pump that blood to working muscles. However, that heart can actually sometimes get too big, or as it gets big, it can exacerbate uh, an underlying genetic or kind of structural component. So if that muscle wall thickens, it can actually sometimes become less efficient because it's pumping less blood because there's too much heart. It actually can restrict some coronary artery anomaly so all of us kind of have our arteries go different ways in different body parts and if an artery is actually getting pinched by the pumping heart it's actually going to decrease blood flow there's some genetic components structurally but also like arrhythmias um so electro like the, the electrical system of your heart as it beats um an athlete can exacerbate or like predispose um a pre-existing condition and so in these cases, that's kind of, it's most likely in the Bronny situation, that's what's happened. The DeMar Hamlin situation is a little different, and that was a direct blow to his chest on a certain section of the heartbeat. So in the, in the Bronny uh, situation, is this something that might have been detected? I presume that they're checked thoroughly and tested thoroughly before they're uh, allowed Correct. out on, on the court. Is, is this something that just happens, as you say, as an anomaly? Yeah, I'm- uh, or or is it is it something that further testing, deeper kind of testing, might have uh, shown up uh, ahead of time? It's probably a little both. In Bronny's situation, he was at USC. Um, I don't know the exact protocol, but I guarantee you they were doing cardiac screening. There was a sports physical. He likely had a 12-lead ECG. He may have even had a cardiac echo. 
um, knowing his resources, you know, who knows what else was available. Um, unfortunately, a lot of these, even with the best testing, can go undetected. Um, when I first came out of training, and kind of kudos to Kevin Bost, he's actually who hired me in 2001, um, we actually didn't do a lot of cardiac screening in the United States. So when we were doing, you, you would have a physical exam or your sports physical, but we never really did 12 lead ECGs and cardiac echoes because our the way um, Americans read a 12 lead ECG or your heart tracing, there was about a 7% false positive rate. So from a financial and kind of time and anxiety um, burden, it wasn't really the go-to model in the United States. We were actually catching too many. It was causing, we were ticking up anxiety in student-athletes, athletes, and parents. But over the years, we've gotten a lot better. So our sports cardiologists now apply what's called international criteria to reading an ECG. Um, and so the, some of these athletic heart changes can actually be read as normal, and they're extremely well-trained in it. So we actually have now moved towards a cardiac screening program in the United States, uh, where we now do 12 ECGs, we do a lot of echoes, uh, which is a, a heart ultrasound. This is where I think COVID may have actually jump-started a lot of these programs for schools. So in 2020, uh, to get everything back online, we were doing cardiac exams, 12 lead ECGs, echoes, depending on what conference you were in. So the Big Ten, they were actually also using sports cardiologists or cardi- cardiology eval, cardiac MRI. A lot of these schools and teams and programs are able to kind of put these entities into place, and now they're much more readily available, plus our training's much better. We, we're able to utilize our sports cardiologists. We're very lucky in the Chicago area to have, like, a robust sports cardiology um, peer group. And so we're getting better at it, but these can, these are not 100% detectable. Yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, all, all that you're saying uh, just makes me wonder uh, what kind of endurance professional athletes must have uh, for, you know, for the, uh, the kind of endurance that they must have and strength, uh, both physical strength, but also cardiovascular strength and, you know, things like that, that uh, where they're able to be out on the, the court uh, for as many minutes, uh, per, you know, per game, per career as uh, they are. Correct. I mean, the, the human body is amazing. Uh, the adaptations it makes and, and the, the amount of stress it can absorb and the amount of adaptation it can make, uh, it, it's truly profound. I think sometimes the hard thing in our world is there's probably more science. In fact, we know there's more science we don't know than we do. And so there's still a lot of work to be done. Yeah, it's. Uh, uh, I was sent a, a, a statistic actually by uh, Sam uh, Panianovich, who used to do sports on our uh, show here and is uh, listening. Shout out to Sammy. But he says that he finds it very interesting that uh, LeBron, the father LeBron, has been able to log uh, something like uh, 65,000 minutes on the court uh, over 20 years and has never had a serious injury. I mean, that sort of underlines, doesn't it, how individual this is. If uh, Bronny's dad has such incredible endurance without incident, and at 18 years of old, Bronny does, uh, that that speaks to the individuality of this, does it? Or or am I wrong? No, that's correct. We're all... 
you know, when we look at anything in medicine, and particularly sports medicine, in, in my world, I'm on the medical side of sports medicine. We talk about cardiac clearances, concussion. Um, everything's very, very individualized. We can have some set protocols that may act as our template uh, for treatment, but the nuances of each and every one of us and each and every student athlete in each and every different sport, because the demands in every sport is different, we have to take all of that into account. So um, I want to open up the phone lines if people have questions about uh, themselves, about their their kids. Uh, School is uh, about to start. School athletic programs are about to kick into high gear. Uh, You know, if if there are questions uh, or comments that people may have on our text line, people are saying that heart testing in schools has been going on for 10 years in Naperville school districts. Uh, you know, people are, are commenting that this is not anything new that apparently is going on. Correct. Actually, and this is, when you look in the western suburbs particularly, there was a group, Midwest Heart, who I think now I believe is part of Advocate. Dr. Merrick is a sports med cardiologist. As I talk about kind of the history of how we used to do these things in the United States and where we're progressing, he was actually an early adopter of that. Um, so kudos to him and the Naperville's, and I believe that Hinsdale's Downer Grove, that area, uh, they've been on the forefront of this for a long time. Um, and a lot of the research and some of the things we do, we talk about people who have dictated where we go with ECG criteria and reading for athletic heart. Um, Midwest Heart, you know, to their credit, was on the front end of this. Are there uh, certain areas which have higher incidence of, uh, you know, uh, cardiac issues than others? Are there certain age groups? Uh, Anything that we can say, you know, that some people are at greater risk than others? Um, I don't have specific data on, like, a regional group. Uh, I think sometimes in the United States, particularly us being late adopters, is we have such a heterogeneous kind of gene pool um so we kind of talk you know we, we, we you know a lot of us laugh about being american mutts is you know, if you're a third fourth generation american you're a 16th of everything and so the genetic pool here is very different so that's why when you look at the european early adopters of athletic heart and ecg and cardiac testing those were much more homogeneous gene pools in europe um and so it's taken us a little bit to catch up um, we do know a little bit more common in black athletes than uh, white athletes, uh, but again, this is still data that's being collected in science. We don't we don't yet have. Hmm. Very interesting. All right, so as we get into uh, sports programs uh, getting started again for the fall, uh, I think uh, of uh, high school football programs and the concerns that lots of people have about injuries that uh, you know young kids. Uh, playing football uh, may may incur. Uh, how concerned should parents be about their their kids playing uh, football and the possibility of injuries? Well, there's always a concern. I think everything that we do, you have to put things on, on kind of a risk benefit ratio. And sports are extremely important. Right? We we know the benefit, the health benefit, the the mental health benefit of playing sports. The life lessons learned is always going to far outweigh the risk. Obviously, every sport comes with a little different risk. Um, you know, football is a full contact sport, so there's some things there. Um, I see a lot of concussion. I see several hundred concussions, sports-related concussions a year. So obviously, that's a risk. 
But we have to look, when you look at kind of risk stratification, and this isn't me minimizing sport by any means. It's not you know, taking sport out of context in real life, but we all inherit some risk getting out of bed in the morning. And when we start talking about sports and risk, I mean, there's just, you know, every one of us takes a risk getting in our car every day. We don't necessarily like to talk about that because it's something we do routinely. Every one of our kids takes some risk going to PE class. Every one of our kids takes a risk in free play in terms of like riding a skateboard, wrestling with their brother, riding their bike, recreational sport. Um, and so sports are good. Is there going to be some risk? Absolutely. Is it on the adults in the room to do the best they can to minimize those risks, whether it be rules, protocols, training? Absolutely. Um, but sports aren't evil, that's for sure. Uh, well, what kind of precautions should uh, parents take then to minimize uh, any potential risk that may take place. All of those things that you said are risky are all very true. But when you get on a football field, the uh, the, the the objective is to crush the opponent. Uh, when you get in a car, the objective is not to get injured. When you get on a skateboard, the objective is to not get injured. But on the on the football field, the objective is inflict violence on uh, another player so so you can progress and and score i mean there is a big difference correct to an extent um but there are definitely things we can do so obviously we're going into dead week and so this is a really good time of year to kind of get all our ducks in a row start completing our checklist i think the most important thing and we'll probably be on this in terms of um with dead week coming up but sports physicals are really important um, I know a lot of people want to look at a sports physical as I just need this piece of paper signed so my student athlete can play. But there's actually a role for sports physicals in terms of determining injury risk and health risk. And, you know, we look at the cardiac stuff. So the things we just talked about with Bronny James, uh, doing a very good cardiac assessment and cardiac exam. We can talk about concussion history and education, uh, things of that nature. We can talk about overtraining and overuse injuries this time of year, unfortunately. We have a lot of kids that didn't do anything all summer. They're deconditioned. And then we come into camp next week, and there's an immediate overuse. Um, there's female athlete issues. Um, female athletes have uh, some different issues uh, than our male athletes. And then, in all honesty, there's a general health issue. So as we get into some years in high school and definitely in our college athletes and some of our recreational professional adult athletes, that sports physical may be the only physical they get or any contact they get with a physician in a given year. So it's a very good time to go through just general health stuff, things of that nature. So that's number one. Number two, we're always going to look at equipment. So it's a very good time of year to start inventorying the equipment that you're going to have available for this year. How old is that helmet? And this, this goes for record sport, your bike helmet, your football helmet, your lacrosse helmet, your um, – hockey helmet, your your shoes, your footwear, whether it be your, your cleats, your running shoes, um, things of that nature. And then on the school side, this is where the medical team, the athletic directors, school boards, coaches, this is where we need to start putting all our action emergency action plans in place or finalizing them for the year. So we have the protocols in place that if something were to happen, we know exactly what we're doing. So making sure as many people are possible are CPR trained, that's very important making sure our athletic trainers have up-to-date AEDs, uh, making sure 
uh, we have a heat protocol uh, for exertional heat illnesses, making sure we have those kind of things in place, making sure, you know, athletic trainers are trained. So, again, for all those athletic directors, school board members, coaches that are out there, please advocate for athletic trainers. Um, athletic trainers and CPR training save lives. Yeah, well, that, the you know, the story that came out of uh, the Bronny James uh, incident is uh, but for the people who were there and immediately treated him uh, when he suffered cardiac arrest, it would have been a completely different outcome. They were prepared and uh, were, were able to treat him. You, you said that to have... Uh, that uh, uh, schools and facilities should have a- AUDs. Is that what you said? Are those the a- the paddles? Are those the paddles? Yeah, AEDs. The, the... Correct. So everyone has one, one. We're moving. You know, with the resources we have available, we are moving to a time where AEDs should be readily available everywhere. Yeah. Um, and then when you get to that point, people need to be trained on them. Yeah. Uh, they are very self-explanatory, so if you weren't trained, um, it, it will walk you through it. But even just hands-only CPR training with AED awareness can save lives, and it's very easy for anybody, for coaches, teachers, parents, athletes, uh, to get that training. Yeah, well, we hear stories um, all the time of uh, you know how people... You know, somebody somebody knew CPR and saved somebody life. Somebody's life. It's a good idea just to have basic training. On our text line, the seven hundred eight area code says, "I am sixty years old, a workout warrior. Are there health concerns that should be on my radar as to what I should and should not be doing at my age?" So, first, for a sixty-year-old, um, general health. So, as you know, those routine discussions with your medical professionals, your, your primary care physician about cardiac risk, so that's going to be your cardiovascular risk, cholesterols, things of that nature. The other is going to be starting to look at metabolic health. So not that it's for all adults, but one thing is there's a cardiovascular fitness that we all are very well aware of, of how efficient your heart is and being able to do certain exercises within a certain heart rate zone. But there's also a metabolic fitness. So how well are we, you know, metabolizing glucose or, you know, our insulin um, function, um, our endocrine kind of feedback loops, looking at thyroid function, things of that nature. Yeah. Let me let me, Other, let me let me just interrupt for a second because we only have about a minute yeah. left here. Should a 60-year-old uh, do the kinds of workouts that they were doing when they were 25? Or do they need to slow down a little bit? Probably a little both. Um, it's very individualized, like we talked about. Everyone's a little bit different. I, I think every 60-year-old should still be exercising and weight training. I think what we all need to realize is that we probably need a little bit more cross-training. So even my marathoners that are still qualifying for Boston every year, we don't have them run six days a week anymore. They're running three to four with cross-training. Um, you know, we may never PR again. Um, what, is that? What, is that? what does that mean? Uh, so that's a per, like, like a personal record or oh, like okay. PB personal best. Right. Um, and so, but we know strength training and cardiovascular training for VO2 max. Those are still all extremely important at any age. I appreciate all the good information. It's Dr. Brian Bobka, sports medicine physician, Northwestern Medicine Regional Medical Group. Doctor, I hope you have a great day today. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Enjoy your Sunday.
Thank you. You do the same. Well, that was a very informative segment with the uh, sports uh, medicine physician. Indeed. In the last half hour. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, uh, Don, I don't know if you know this or not. We started a new feature a few weeks ago. Oh. Uh, medical advice, even though we have no medical knowledge whatsoever. I like it. Where unqualified we, medical advice. Unqualified. It's com- my favorite. Completely unqualified. Yeah. We have no business uh, offering our medical opinion on everything. Uh, but hey, we got time to kill here, so love it. It's uh, like bringing TikTok to the radio. <laughs> that's right. not a bad thought. There, that, yeah. That's very true. It doesn't. Ha- it doesn't have to be accurate. Right. We just put it out there. Exactly. We don't, we don't really care if it's accurate. But um, you know, the, I, I wanted to answer one of the questions on our text line, uh, which is uh, from the seven seven three. I enjoy pickleball three to five times per week. Are there any general precautions I should take? Are, mm. any, are any of you pickleball players? No. I've uh, been threatening to get into it, but it's no. Like, it's like tennis, right? It, it's, yeah, yeah, it smaller is. smaller version. We played in high school. I remember my gym teacher uh, was big into pickleball. So it seems like there's less movement than there would be, right? There is less movement, and, yeah. And then in tennis, you're running all over the court. Uh, in pickleball, it seems like it's a more confined area. Yeah, and a lot of people play doubles, so you hardly right. move at all sometimes. Yeah, exactly, which is my kind of sport. Right. Where you hardly have to do anything uh, whatsoever. It's perfect. Yeah. So, uh, any uh, Andy, just uh, you know, give a couple of things. Yeah. Uh, I would be... Uh, Again, this is completely without qualification yeah. i feel like well, you know we have dr most i feel like dr least here um <laughs> i will tell you that uh i think you should remain hydrated that's uh, very important especially in the uh, the weather conditions outside right, right. i enjoy, uh, I enjoy uh, stella artois my choice of hydration yes i, I would say make sure that uh, you are wearing a, a supportive pair of shoes Hmm. which is always uh, important for the lower joints. Yeah. Any kind of uh, support that you can offer yourself. Correct. And, and stretching. And protection. Stretching. Very important before mm-hmm. you go out and do any physical activity. For stretching, that's very good. You yeah. actually sound qualified. Yeah, I, I'm are, not. But those I, are good. If you sell it well enough, you can sound like you yeah, know right. what you're talking you about. very knowledgeable. Don, do you have... Uh, uh, I will say uh, maybe wear some comfortable clothes, you know? You uh, uh-huh. don't restrict your movement, even though we just said there's not much to no. worry about restricting right. still. You want to be comfy. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of what, because, uh, and I apologize to people who may have seen this, uh, why I wear a Speedo whenever I play uh, pickleball. <laughs> Which is why there's no one on any other courts. It's right? extremely comfortable. <laughs> Often I can't even get someone to be my opponent. <laughs> uh, and my advice is if you really want to make the game challenging, instead of using a ball, use an actual pickle. Ooh. Mm, now we're talking. Yeah, because I, I don't really understand why it's called pickleball. Right. Uh, pickles aren't involved, but if you're lobbing a, a nice kosher dill over the net, <laughs> uh, back and forth over and over, now that's a game right there. A gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous Sunday morning. Wow. Been nice outside after all that rain and Kind of the violent weather, uh, really making up for it with pleasant temperatures, nice sunshine today. And uh, wow, especially sunshine in the life of Don Clutton, who's filling in for Schwanee today. Uh, look who just got married. Hey, hey. this is great. 
Do you even know this music? You may be too young to know. <laughs> I, this I, this I is my this. first time hearing it. Seriously. I love this show. Andy, I could tell by the big grin yeah. on Andy's face. Andy. Where's Bob Eubanks when you need him? <laughs> Gentlemen. The newlywed game. It's the newlywed game. Where they, ah. they would have newly uh, married couples on the show and ask, you know, they would separate the couple and then ask questions of the uh, the brides and then bring the men back out to see if they answered the questions the same way as their totally as, as their wives did totally i have seen versa. i've seen like some reruns on the like the game show network yeah. or whatever oh, yeah. i have seen clips of it and it looks like a real fun show yeah actually. well first of all congratulations thank you Just thank you very much i got married in june you know, yes what he told me june 11 june, yep yep june 11th and everything going on okay so far now's the time to carry your grievances <laughs> Right, well, it's all safe here. You got That's any right. problems? <laughs> this is the place for it. here in the confession. Because I don't know if you know this, we also give marital advice oh. for which we are also unqualified. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. Andy, this is... Andy's, uh, yeah. I would call, still a newlywed. Yeah. I'm a seasoned veteran. Come on, <laughs> is it a year? So Not far? quite. October eighth. Yeah, It'll yeah, yeah. We're both in the newlywed clubs, yes. and uh, no, it's it's awesome. How fun! I, How I fun it. would it be to have Andy and his uh, Melina and uh, Don and uh, uh, Gretchen? Gretchen mm-hmm. <laughs> to play doing new, the newlywed to play newlywed game with? Oh them. man, yeah. I would I'd be down for that. It's funny we did a we did kind of that. My my parents threw us a, a shower before uh, before the wedding with a bunch of their friends, and that was one of the games we played. You had uh, who knows your spouse better? Mm. We weren't. Spouses at that point, but right. yeah, we did pretty well. Yeah. Um, That's a fun theme, though. I oh, really yeah. like that. I think it would be really fun to do that. Yeah, yeah, I'm game for that. Because really, there's nothing better than when the couple starts arguing. <laughs> I think that's what everybody's hoping for, right? They don't get the question right, and then they start hitting each other. But you said, come on. (laughs) How could you think that? The best part of the show are, like, super embarrassing questions. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Totally. And super embarrassing answers, too. Yeah, (laughs) super embarrassing answers. Revealing. Uh, We've done that a couple of times on the morning show, not with spouses, uh, but we've we've done it with our parents. We had our parents on, Mm. and, and did something similar, you know, where we asked questions and see if we could match up. Uh, the questions, and I'm happy to say, my mo- my mother and I uh, were able to a- correctly answer the questions. Correct, nice, nice. That is good. And we cheated a little, but <laughs> well, whatever. Uh, you got to do what you got to do. Right, win. you're not cheating. You're not trying. But anywho, uh, everything's going well uh, so far. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's wonderful. We were. Um, better, would you say better than you thought? You know. Uh, it's it is funny. I it is better or than is I it, thought. Or is it going worse than you? <laughs> no, no, no. I, if I have to pick one of those, it's definitely better than I thought. Um, mainly because I, I tell her this all the time too. Like I never really pictured myself as a marriage guy. I, I never thought it was for me. But really? uh, yeah, yeah. So, so I wasn't. What was the what was the difference? So why did, why did you? It, it was really. I mean, it was her. Like on our first date, she said that's what she was looking for, and so I was wow. kind of like, mm. well, I, I'm. I didn't discount it immediately, which is what I'd done in the past. You know. I would have called somebody else but instead i was like i was interested and we just kept going and the the as we as we dated longer i just the prospect seemed more appealing and yeah. um and so it's much better than and i she thought put it out there right from the first date yeah I, and i respected that, that would scare a lot of guys off i, and, I would think totally and i'm sure it's that like, hi what's your, what's your name again <laughs> And you want to get what? <laughs> right. She was. She didn't push it. She wasn't pushy with it. But it, you know, it was just one of those first date conversations. And she said that was something she was looking for long term. Oh, wow. 
So I, I respected that because well, I, I res- thought the same. I respect that you, you, you know, you, you put it out there. Yeah. No surprises later on. And there was obviously, you know, if you went into this thinking, I'm not the marrying guy. Yeah. And you went, you continued anyway. Then I mean, there must have been yeah. some, some spark, some interest. Obviously, there, that they, they grew and grew. Absolutely. Yeah. It was. We have, you know, a lot of, a lot of common interests. You know, we even both grew up in Morton Grove. Mm. So we just, we have a lot of connections and familiarity and our families get along great. And yeah, yeah she's, she's awesome. Yeah. So what would you say is the worst part of it? So <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Right. Just I was kidding. like, I was actually trying to think of something, but I yeah. shouldn't. No, I shouldn't no, 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 no. It's too just, early. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Right, right. But uh, uh, Don was telling me before we went on the air today, and uh, really the the uh, the most interesting things that we say to each other are generally before the show starts. Yes, it does. Yeah. It's a great show before the show. It's all pretty much downhill by the time nine <laughs> o'clock starts. We're all we're all sliding by at that point. Right. But uh, Don was telling me that he just came, that he went to Hawaii for his honeymoon. How yeah. fantastic. Yes, sir. Yeah. Maui uh, for two weeks. We were there uh, from the 12th. So we left the day after the wedding and we wow. got back on the 26th of June. Now, what did you do in Maui? Oh, man. We, um, the first few days, we literally just like laid at the resort. You know, we were on the beach by the pool. It's just exhausting getting married, right? <laughs> it was. It really was. It's, it's it was a lot of hard work. Andy and Melina did it the right way. They, totally. They got married like three different times. Yes, we did. And split it up. Mm-hmm. I love that. I know. I, I think the, uh, the eloping was really cool. We were tempted by that several times through the process. So uh, highlights in Hawaii. Oh yeah, yeah. Or, uh, we uh, we snorkeled with sea turtles. You know, we went to this place off the resort they called Turtle City yeah. locally. Okay. We, there's these corals, and so we saw a bunch of those. The next day, though, even more interesting than seeing the turtles in the water was like I was on the beach, and everyone started screaming about a turtle. And you know, these things are like you know 300 pounds. They're huge. And I was looking for it, looking deeper in the water, figured I missed it. And I turned around and the thing was behind me, Ooh. closer to the sand than I was. And I was only standing in like two feet of water. Wow. So it was like in a foot and a half, just like sunbathing by the sand and all these people. Are you sure he was sunbathing? <laughs> That's what I assumed. Are you I sure guess. he wasn't just laying there getting ready to bite your foot off? Maybe. Uh, maybe. I was like, I'm not sure. Can if you what tell he's... I've been watching Shark Week? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's spooky. Yeah. But then we, we did. We did a luau, of course, at the resort, which was amazing. We did, did you a, eat? Uh, did you eat poi? We we did. Yes, we ate poi. We ate poke, and then the the kalua pork or kula pork or whatever they yeah. call it there. But it was the pork and the chicken was delicious. We did I like think, a, I think poi is uh, incredibly overrated. Po- you know, I was that definitely didn't stand out for me. Have as you ever the, had? Why, why am I even asking? Yeah, Andy I was going to say you could just stop poi. right there. Yeah, <laughs> Can I ask Andy, have you ever had a hot dog? That's uh, well, a, that I've, you know, that's, yeah, that's, that's, up sure. my, that's in my wheelhouse. Andy's not uh, the most adventurous eater of uh, the bunch, but uh, I don't even know what poi is. No. Does anyone know? It's a paste, right? Yeah, it's that's like what a, we had. It's like yeah. a dip or something like that, and it, um, I've had it a couple of times thinking maybe I did, never didn't get a good batch. It's uh, awful. Yeah, I was not a fan of that. Yeah. Um, we did, uh, yeah, starchy Polynesian food paste starchy mm. made Polynesian. from the taro root. Okay. Oh, look That's at you. Boy. Look at you. <laughs> this is the old Wikipedia. Quietly che- checking. 
Yes. But yeah. fully done. Thank nice. you. And we did a helicopter tour. We did uh, the, this Haleakala Sunrise. That's the highest peak they have on what the island there. did he just there. call me? What did he just call me? <laughs> Excuse me. Like I Haleakama sli- or something like that? That's right. What? I slipped that in there. Your mama what? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was, you know, they do the first light like they do on Machu Picchu. And, you know, you, you go up and catch a sunrise of, uh, on the peak. That's got to be breathtaking. It, it was, yeah. Above the clouds. That was definitely like a, a highlight of the trip. It was it was amazing. Very nice. So, um, if have people been giving you advice? Oh uh, yeah, of, you know, uh, what on a successful marriage? Yes. As a matter of fact, we met a couple who was there on Maui on like their thirtieth anniversary or oh, something. Oh, how nice! Yeah, we met a lot of honeymooners and, and anniversary people there too. And and um, one of them, the the thirty year veterans, they were like, you know, um, always assume the best of each other. Hmm. That was uh, hmm. that was one that kind of stuck out. Nice. Always assume the best of one another. Mm-hmm. So I've been trying that. That sounds like crazy talk. To <laughs> it's too too much effort. That sounds like a lot of trouble. <laughs> Andy, what advice do you have for for Don? Newlywed Don. Yeah. Newlywed Andy, what do you have for newlywed? Um, I would just say, again, the old adage of uh, happy wife, happy life really helps out a little bit if you, th- if you get into that mentality. Because, you know, I like to do things for Melina anyway. It's not that, you know trying to keep her happy or anything like that but it's just a you enjoy yeah just enjoy I mean, each other's company and yeah, uh, as she does enjoy yeah it's been my observation yeah We're, you uh, know, she enjoy also enjoys making you happy a good teammate that's that's what it is i, I of okay. course i have to always look at it in sports vernacular and uh yeah be a good teammate right on i like that yeah no uh, I'm going to open up the phone lines now because I know that our listeners probably have a wedding advice for you. Oh, yeah. Bring uh, it on. You know, who, who wants to give Don some advice for his new marriage? 312-981-7200. I need it. Please. <laughs> yeah, well, you haven't heard from our listeners yet. <laughs> You're right. We'll see. We'll see. This could go south uh, so quickly. <laughs> Very have no true. idea. Very true. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. Yes, when you think romance, when you think love, it's the think of the old Sunday show here. That is bursting with newlyweds around here today. Early spring. And newsman Don Kleppen, uh, newlywed from this last June. Andy from last October, is that yep, right? October 8th. Okay. Uh, and we're trying to get some uh, marital uh, advice uh, for Don. What uh, would you offer to him as device, uh, advice, rather? Uh, and the 630 area code says, uh, great show, enjoying the show today. My advice, never go to bed angry. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. That's a good one. My dad used to say that all the time, too. Never go to bed angry. That's why I'm so sleep deprived. Three one two. Where you go? Have separate bathrooms. Oh, well, that's interesting. That's ver- it is true. That is actually really good advice. Yeah. Wow. That would be nice. Actually. Um, the six three zero area code. Appreciate each other and accept each other's faults, as we all have some. Uh, I've been married 32 years, says Pat. Right on. Um, very nice advice. Very good. Yeah, thanks, yeah. Pat. Accept each other's faults. I'm writing this stuff down, too, by the way. Yeah, you should. Please <laughs> please feel free to help yourself. The uh, 708 area code, the secret of a great relationship, love other things together. Love, mm. love mm. other things okay. together. 
Like shared interests. It's kind of beautiful. Right? Yeah. Yeah, things that are, you know, you you learn about uh, together that you didn't know that you liked before. Mm-hmm. I totally. Like, I like that. Yeah, that's very good. Pat, are you there? Good morning. You're on WGN. Good morning. Yes, I'm here. And I agree with everything you've already said. Now, but first of all, first of all, for how long have you been married? 58 years. 50, 58 or 68, did you say? Five, eight. 58 50. years. Congratulations. Wow. Congrats. Wow. That's amazing. Yes. <laughs> and we worked together in the same office, five feet apart, for 25 years plus. Wow. Wow. <laughs> but anyway, I guess just keep talking. You know, you when you started dating, you you know, you always had a lot to talk about. And just don't let that change. We do a lot of talking at the kitchen table, mm. <laughs> for sure. Like, what are you talking and, about? What are the kinds of things that you talk about? Anything and everything? Anything and everything, yes, we do. You know, and we've got a great family. I think that makes life even better, you know? Okay. So, and remember the please and thank you. You know, it never, it never gets old. It really doesn't. Well, Don's a very polite person, so. Thank you. <laughs> See? See, I told You're you. welcome. <laughs> told you. Yeah. Not like Shawani. It's, it's like pulling teeth yeah. around here to get a pleasant word out of him every Sunday morning. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's been a great 58 years. Oh, nice. Very nice. What, is it, what, would your husband, been, what is your husband's name? Ron. Ron, okay. Ron. Very nice. In fact, Ron just came in. He, he had washed the car and cleaned the windows, and uh, yeah. <laughs> what do you think Ron would say is a you know good piece of advice? Would he agree with all the things you said? I don't know. He didn't hear me say it, so I can. I don't know. Where is he? <laughs> I gotta find. Him. Let me find him. He might still yeah. be in the garage. There's another t- little piece of advice. Oh. <laughs> no need to keep track of where he is. Right. That's good. That's a good one. <laughs> Yeah, well, he's not in the garage, so and he can't go too far because our house isn't that big. Okay. Well, Pat, thank <laughs> so you. I don't know. Oh, wait, wait, wait! I see him. Oh, he's you watering see him. Some, he's watering some flowers on the deck. Okay. All right. Well, you <laughs> hold on one second. Oh, okay. All right. Let's see. Ron, this is like an here, unexpected newlywed. Talking again. to Dean Richards on WGN. <laughs> he wants to know what you're what your idea would be of a long-lasting marriage. Any advice for a couple newlyweds over there? Hello, Dean. Good morning. Good morning. Morning. Right. Ron, is morning. that right? Is that right? Ron is your name? Ron. Ron and Pat. Ron and Pat, 58 years. Okay. We know that. And Pat just gave us a wonderful advice for our news anchor, who just got married in June. And we were oh, just okay. wondering, like, what, what are some things that you would say to Don, young Don? Uh, for a successful marriage? Probably keep the lines of conversation open. Talk all the time. That's what we do. We talk all the time. There you go. (laughs) They won the newlywed game. There there you go. Let's support each other. And, you know, yeah. We don't really argue. We just, you know, talk, 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 talk. Yeah, very nice. Very nice. That's great. Well, thank you. Yeah. Now, Andy, oh, Andy Mazur, who got mm-hmm. married in October, he said, uh, happy wife, happy life. Would you concur with that? Yeah, yes, I would. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was Good the first answer. piece of advice I got, yeah. 
<laughs> and it was from her. That's the best, that's the best <laughs> advice he got, yeah. It's good yeah. advice, too. Very nice. Very nice. Well, Ron, congratulations on your 58 years. Uh, good luck with those flowers on the deck. And uh, Thank you. I appreciate the call this morning. Look at that beautiful happiness going on out that's there great. this yeah. morning. Very, very beautiful. Much appreciated. Uh, here's another one that says, uh, 616, never go to bed angry, dot, 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 just go sleep on the couch. <laughs> so that's, that's it. And now at 1039, time for the Week in Theater, what's going on on stage in Chicago. Final performance of Personality, the Lloyd Price musical, today over at the Studebaker Theater. Goodman Theater's production of the rock opera Tommy uh, announcing that they are completely sold out for the one week remaining uh, in its run right now, but still plenty to see around the Chicago area. We've got MJ the Musical that won uh, several Tony Awards that will uh, open in Chicago next week. We'll be talking much more about that and talking with the stars of the show uh, still to come. And I uh, wanted to bring your attention to a production that's going on at the Steppenwolf Downstairs Theater right now. And it is the Harold Pinter uh, production, uh, No Man's Land, that is starring uh, Jeff Perry, who you know from a whole variety of uh, television projects and certainly uh, theatrical projects. If you're a fan of Steppenwolf, he is one of the co-founders of Steppenwolf, Jeff Perry who joins us uh, on the phone line right now. Jeff, welcome back to WGN. Nice to have you with us. Dean, so good to be with you. How you doing? I'm doing very well. Can we, before we talk about No Man's Land, real quick, can we go back and talk about uh, the early days of Steppenwolf where you and uh, Gary Sinise and, uh, you know, a bunch of the uh, founders of this now legendary uh, theater, known all over the world, uh, got this crazy idea to put on, you know, these shows, right? We did, Dean. We were theater-obsessed teenagers or in our very early 20s. Uh, Gary Sinise and I go back for the Chicago area. We go back to being plucked out of Highland Park High School's um, hallways by a wonderful drama teacher named Barbara Greener. And she saw the confused look on our face, Dean, and <laughs> said, come on, you're, you're coming to the auditorium this afternoon. Uh, you're going to try out for West Side Story. Oh, wow. Um, I ended up being able to uh, uh, play the part of Tony, and Gary was a, a member of the Sharks. For those who know the West Side Story musical, he played Pepe. Well, it um, we were infected, Dean, with the love of theater, of storytelling, of pretending to be some other human. Um, and, uh, uh, and interestingly, Barbara gave the students in those years the ability to really kind of determine and develop their own their own passion within the realm of theater of guys pick a play you do the costumes you do the sound you do everything decide which of your classmates you want to be in it and um 
Gary and I ended up taking over the caf- a portion of the cafeteria in our high school years uh, um, and putting on a play or two. I go off to Illinois State University, and I meet a giant chunk of the first two generations, we might call it, of the Steppenwolf Ensemble. And it includes uh, John Malkovich and Laurie Metcalf and Moira Harris and Joan Allen, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, Tom Irwin, um, Francis Guinan, Rondi Reed, all, all of these amazing artists. And at ISU, we importantly kind of had the same uh, self-determination um, invitation and responsibility of pick your classmates, pick which which story you want to yeah, you want to work on, and that was a that was a a good you know third of our curriculum there at the theater department. I, I can't think so of too many, we, I, I can't think of too many places uh, where that many uh, students would turn out to be such pivotal people in the world of theater, such important names in the world of theater. Uh, that that's amazing that uh, you know how. Just somehow it all came together at the same place at the same time. I'm telling you, I mean, I've looked back on it, man, and just thought, oh, thank goodness. One of our dear mentors who's in heaven these days is Sheldon Patinkin. Mm. Sheldon happened to be one of the youngest classmates in, let's say, the mid-1950s with with Mike Nichols, Elaine May. Uh, Paul Sills at the University of Chicago. They started a theater club there, um, and it would go on to become playwrights, theater, then Compass, then Second City. Mm. We all know the uh, gigantic history uh, um, of Second City. Sheldon met us via the Highland Park basement, our first of four homes. We were there for three years in the basement of the Immaculate Conception Church School in mm-hmm. Highland Park. And um, uh, I think he saw a real kinship of, wow, this is 20 years later, but this is a group of theater-obsessed <laughs> tribe. Um, and he, he just felt a kinship. He became one of our greatest mentors and teachers and, and guest directors and leaders at our theater how how about that though the the uh the uh, the teacher at the the school that plucked Gary and you um literally changing your lives literally turning your lives completely upside down i i i am so grateful for it barbara um Gary Sinise and I got to visit we're working on a Steppenwolf film documentary for these last few years and hope for it to air during our 50th um, season on PBS's American Masters um, platform. And and uh, we got to visit with Barbara a couple months before she passed. Uh, um, and this was just months ago. And uh, really got to gush on her, love her, giggle, hug, reminisce about the absolutely singular effect she had on our lives and on so many lives when she was a teacher there. 
Yeah, pretty amazing, man. That's, that, uh, that is amazing. I, I hope I, I had a teacher that had a similar impact on my life. I hope most people have had somebody like that to, you know, help guide them, turn to turn the light on, you know, to, to help you kind of focus a, a little bit at a time in, in one's life when things are often not very uh, focused, but how, how, gr- how lucky we all were that this came to be. I don't think I saw my first Steppenwolf production until you were at your first location on uh, Halstead Street. And mm-hmm. uh, I never I never saw anything like that on stage before in my life. Uh, and that's, that's, you know, Steppenwolf became famous for being completely unafraid to push the envelope. And uh, in many ways, still doing that today, I think. I sure hope so, man. That's always our goal. Um, we were, we were, our, our, our inspirations kind of interestingly, because for Northern and Central and Southern Illinois kids, we actually in from the mid seventies and early eighties, we actually had more access to TV and film than we did theater. Theater hadn't grown to its amazing, uh, state that it is in Chicago, kind of from the, the, the late 70s and early 80s on. Um, so our inspirations were everything from the I Love Lucy TV show to <laughs> second to, to Saturday Night Live to Second City TV to the films of Robert Altman and Scorsese um, and Elia Kazan, etc. And Every time we saw collaborations, and it could have been, you know, Scorsese and De Niro, it, it, it could have been Lucy and Ricky from the TV show, it could have been casts of Saturday Night Live or Second City TV or Monty Python, for goodness sakes. You know, every time we saw these collaborations where something about the communication between the people was... Um, different, special, and in some ways, uh, a kind of greater um, uh, wallop that was delivered because of their collaboration. Um, it just kind of struck straight to our hearts yeah. uh, uh, as, as people who are devoted to the teamwork, the joy of the teamwork that is ensemble work in theater. Yeah, I, and I think uh, so greatly influenced what the Chicago School of Theater became uh, because other storefront theaters were popping up and uh, they saw Steppenwolf doing what they were doing and they said, well, we could do things that are, uh, you know, a little less than traditional as well. And, you know, so many uh, theater companies and productions started popping up as a result of uh, this uh, amazing group of people who started Steppenwolf. Uh, that uh, included our guest, Jeff Perry, who is uh, starring right now in a production called No Man's Land. Jeff, let me take a quick break, and we'll come back and talk all about that, if that's all right. Great. 10.52, Dean Richards, Sunday morning, WGN tomorrow on uh, WGN TV Morning News, talking with director Greta Gerwig. He's got a little movie out right now called Barbie which, by the way, has taken in another $93 million for this weekend. It is just breaking records like crazy. 
Uh, Oppenheimer took in another $40 million. Uh, It's going to be the number two movie of the weekend. Greta Gerwig tomorrow with us on uh, WGN TV Morning News. Now, uh, Jeff, aren't you sorry you took, turned down that role uh, playing Ken, uh, Barbie's uh, gosh, boyfriend now? Oh my, oh, my gosh. I could have taken that role away from that brilliant um, actor. And and I what what a mistake, man! Yeah. That I turned it. Well, yeah. you know, the the road is littered with uh, you know roles that people should have taken. That, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Somehow they yeah. just got by him somehow. Uh, yeah. Jeff, Jeff Perry uh, is uh, starring in No Man's Land at Steppenwolf's Downstairs Theater through August the twentieth. Right now, explain uh, uh, No Man's Land to our listeners. All right. So it's premise and its plot are relatively simple. I play a wealthy poet, essayist, writer. I have two uh, young men in my employ um, in their 30s slash early 40s. Their characters' names are Briggs and Foster. And at the very beginning, I am followed home and invite into my home a man of my age, a character named Spooner, played by Mark Ulrich, or Ulrich. Um, I, I seem to call him by either pronunciation, a brilliant actor uh, here in Chicago. And um, uh, uh, Briggs is played by John Hudson Odom, who I got to do the seagull with about 15, 16 months ago. And Samuel Lucan, who's uh, uh, born not far from Liverpool, is a Chicago transplant and a brilliant actor, and he plays Foster. So um, the premise is pretty simple. Uh, this, this, it, the play starts with uh, Spooner and Hearst having a conversation in Hearst's home, and we Pretty, uh, we, we, we get the idea that Spooner is angling for something, and the young men in my employ um, are pretty immediately suspicious that he's trying to supplant or, you know, upset the apple cart of our little family unit in this house. That's, that's, that's kind of what happens, and it is a let's say it's a 12 to 16 hour period um, in these four people's lives in a continuous period. Um, Now what starts to get fascinating and dreamlike and open to every audience member's interpretation is a function of how Pinter writes. One of Pinter's, Heroes, I believe, as a as a writer, was the the great Irish writer Samuel Beckett. What Pinter and Beckett both share is a feeling that humanity and their point of view on humanity offers far more questions than answers. Mm. That people are more unknowable, ultimately, than knowable, and so. There's ways in which much of Pinter's, and this is very true of No Man's Land, is almost like a dream. 
and you would receive it best, really, uh, um, uh, as you would a jazz concert, instrumental music, mm-hmm. um, ab- abstract versus representational art of, wow, what does this sequence of events and these people, what does it mean to me? Mm-hmm. I urge people to come see it a second time because it is a fascinating to me and very compelling labyrinth of what are the possibilities of their real history? How did they get together? What are their exact motivations? You know, Dean, in plays that are written yesterday all the way to all the way through the 21st and 20th century, what we'd call contemporary drama, the overwhelming task and intent of storytellers is I want to make you understand the past of these people, their intentions, the, their, their, their conscious and their unconscious. Pinter presents to us like in a dream. Well, I'm going to tell you what I saw and what I heard, and you're going to make of it what you will. What you will. Draw your own conclusions yeah. to that. Yeah. Draw your own conclusions. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. I, I uh, uh, was made aware of the fact that you starred in a 1981 production of No Man's Land at Steppenwolf, uh, directed by your friend John Malkovich. With yes. Tracy Letts as the stage manager, John Mahoney as uh, one of your uh, onstage uh, cast members, along with uh, Francis Geenan and uh, Tom. Yeah, Francis Geenan. Yeah, Geenan uh, and Tom Irwin. Uh, how how interesting that must be for you to return to this project, huh? It is. Uh, oh, it's a blast! I, I love it. People have asked me, "Well, what do you remember of that?" earlier production and I don't know about you Dean but I'm 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 pushing 68 years old and my 20s I remember as a sort of wonderful blur of mostly um (laughs) worrying about that day and the next day you know and not much further ahead and what I remember is that Tom Irwin and I had the simple task as as I was I played Briggs Tom played Foster of um, making sure that this Spooner fellow, played by John Mahoney, um, didn't upset the apple cart, and that we sort of torture him um, mm-hmm. as best we could, verbally and with physical menace. Yeah. Uh, and that was great fun, because John Mahoney was fun to torture. A beloved, <laughs> a, a beloved friend, um, but... When you're pretending, you know you can be evil. Sure, of course. That's uh, that's you know what makes it so much fun. No Man's Land is at the Downstairs Theater at Steppenwolf uh, through August the twentieth. You can get uh, more info and tickets uh, Steppenwolf dot org or three one two three three five one six five zero. Somebody on our text line, uh, Jeff, real uh, quick says, "I love Jeff on Alaska Daily." Hope to see it return. We all we all hope to see everything return after the strike, right? <laughs> oh man, yes. There's gonna we're in the middle of a giant reset of film the film and television world and 
with, you know, anticipating with bated breath that it'd be more equitable, you know, for the writers and for all of the actors. For everybody involved. Um, Everybody involved. For everybody involved. Yeah. I have to break for the news, Jeff. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Hopefully we'll, we'll get to see you soon. Uh, Jeff Perry is in No Man's Land at the Steppenwolf. Have a great day today, Jeff. Thank you. Thank you, Dean. Man, did we ever get a lot of uh, marital advice for you on our text line. I know. Oh, man. that's This has been amazing stuff. We I opened up say. the text line. Uh, if you weren't listening earlier, Don just got married uh, this past June. Andy is, uh, you know, fairly newly wet also, mm-hmm. last October. But we said, you know, what marital advice would you give to uh, Don? And uh, phone lines blew up. Text lines blew up with people offering advice to you. People are awesome, I got to say. People are can be awesome. Can yes. be. Can be. Key, <laughs> key addendum there. That's <laughs> very true. Uh, but we also, what did, what did we say? Uh, oh, pickleball. We were talking about oh, yeah. pickleball. Right. And why is it called pickleball? And on our text line, somebody said pickleball started from the originator of the game, whose name was uh, Joel Pritchard. And uh, the text says that this guy, Joel Pritchard, named it Pickleball because of his dog's name. Oh. Oh. Guess his dog was Pickle? That's an interesting dog name. Hmm. It's kind of fun. That's not... I. Whenever I've named a dog... I always pictured myself yelling it out of out the back door. <laughs> I couldn't see myself yelling, pickle! Pickles! Eel pickle! Yeah, any food is, uh, it's kind of a strange choice. Yeah, still a strange choice for the name of the game, though, right? Yeah, agreed. We Unle- were- unless you're playing with an actual pickle. Indeed, indeed. Or we were saying earlier, like how Stella Artois, your chosen uh, mm-hmm. water. Yes. If you're drinking m- multiple of those during the game, you could become pickled. Oh, right. No, mm-hmm. now I think you may be on to something. Well, let me just say you're welcome for the earwig I've just given you. My goodness. That might be the worst thing about the Barbie movie, is that this song is being played again. It sounds like plastic, <laughs> actually. <laughs> I thought this song would be in the Barbie movie. And uh, it is not. Okay, good to know. I'll still go see it then. Donna's going to go see it uh, this week. Andy... I'm going to avoid it. ...said that he would rather have his fingernails pulled out with the pliers. One by one, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because it just just made another $93 million, by the way. Oh, my God. It's going to be the number one movie again, of course. Um, It's amazing. It's just absolutely amazing, this phenomena. Um. You know, and I, I stand by my review. I did not care for the movie. It's just me. It's just my opinion. I'm I'm happy that a lot of people are going to the movies and enjoying themselves and liking it. I don't get it, but I don't have to. If, you, if you're enjoying the movie, you know, God bless you for it. Right. Uh, you know, that's that's what it's all about. There's no right or wrong review or, you know, answer to the whole thing. Art is subjective. Art is subjective. Exactly right. There's plenty for people to enjoy. Um, But it's amazing the uh, different kinds of people who are enjoying it. You'd think it would be a, you know, predominantly female audience that's enjoying it. It's not. Uh, You'd think that it would be, you know, maybe kids. I I still say it's not really a kids movie. It's, uh, I think, much much more than just a kid's movie. But kids are enjoying it. Everybody's enjoying it. Apparently, except me. <laughs> and no, I, there's actually a fair amount of people. I would say it's where I, I would say the people who didn't like the movie 
maybe 30, 40%, something like that, mm. what I've been able to gauge from feedback. But uh, a lot of people sure, sure are loving it. Yeah. Nostalgia is always kind of hot, but with Mario, the Mario movie doing so well earlier in the year, yeah, and true. now this one, it's, it just feels like it's really kind of having a moment this year. There's uh, this other movie, speaking of nostalgia, Haunted Mansion, which is mm, out this week, based, right. based on the Disney attraction, which I enjoyed quite a bit. And I remember there was a version uh, in which Eddie Murphy starred uh, 10 years ago, maybe 10, 15 years ago, that was pretty awful. Um this this movie is okay it's it's nothing great it's but it's i thought wow here we go more nostalgia right you know they're uh, disney trying to cash in on the nostalgia craze by bringing this back and it i I gotta say that this movie it it did remind me of things that i'd forgotten about from going through the haunted mansion attraction at the disney park so you know there is that yeah so i wanted to um I don't know if we're the we're the best three people to talk about this subject. So I'm really going to need. I think I'm going to need some help <laughs> from some of our viewers. But I wanted to find out what other dolls were out there that people played with. Mm. Uh, well, don't forget about the the ever popular Cabbage Patch. Well, see, there you go. Yeah, it's a good one. There you go. I remember the troll dolls. Those oh, were yeah. oh yeah, troll dolls were super popular. See, we we call them. Action figures. We didn't call them dolls. Uh, you mean the GI Joe? GI Joe and Joe. Evil Knievel. Yeah, with the uh, what? What you call the the grip? Uh, the iron. The kung fu grip. Kung fu. Yeah. GI Joe with the kung fu grip. GI with the kung fu grip. Yeah. I loved the GI Joe. I, I I guess it probably changed, but remember he had actual hair. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, we had the camper. We had all that stuff oh, as a kid. Yeah. Look at you. Yeah, being the youngest of four boys, I only got uh, broken toys. <laughs> Stuff that my older brothers had played with, <laughs> destroyed, mangled, and then they gave it to me that oh, I got to play that's with. That's good. I wasn't really, I was like 15 before I was able to have be the first person to actually own a brand new toy. <laughs> Up until then, it was all a hand-me-downs for me. And, you know, we're all boys in our family, so, you know, we didn't have dolls. But my cousins who are like my sisters, really, still today, uh, they had Barbie dolls. They had um, Chatty. Do you remember? Does anybody remember Chatty Cathy dolls? Oh, yeah. Yes, I do. With the ring, it had a ring, like a, a ring with a string on the back of the neck, and you pulled the string, and Chatty Cathy would say something. <laughs> I don't remember what Chatty Cathy would say. I don't either. Hi, I'm Chatty Cathy. Stop pulling my string in my neck. <laughs> She was so chatty. You just tune her out eventually. Hey, hey, hey. The doctor put that there. Don't pull on that. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think we were talking, me and Andy were talking about Stretch Armstrongs Stretch the other Armstrong, day. Stretch Armstrong, yes. Stretch Armstrong. Those, are, those were interesting. I remember me and my brother had one of those, and we just play around with it until eventually we cut it open because we had to see what was in there. It was like <laughs> corn syrup. Oh, was so, it really? Yeah. There, there was a liquidy material? Oh, yeah. yeah. It was oh, very I, strange. I, I just figured it was some kind of stretchable rubbers right that's what i thought too stretch armstrong wow uh but well i I guess i guess we can open this up to both genders but i mean were there things for boys uh, other than stretch armstrong and gi joe Mm. i I don't remember any well you know there was ken oh yeah kendall i don't don't think think i would play with a lot of of little boys were playing (laughs) mom 
a Ken doll. Right. Does uh, does uh, does Teddy Ruxpin count? I don't remember. That was a little guy that talked. It was that was that a bear? Yeah, I think it was, was a bear. Teddy yeah, Ruxpin Teddy Bear. Yeah. Bear? Okay. Um, three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. Which which other dolls did you play with? I from from my cousins. I remember Barbie was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Barbie was a huge big deal. Uh, they had the you know several Barbie actual Barbie dolls. They had the uh, all the accessories. I remember a giant Barbie head. It was like a hairstyling deal. Mm. I think. I think maybe I was dreaming. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it was a nightmare. Maybe right. this is something I had dreamt that Barbie was decapitated and her, her head <laughs> just floated. No, it was you know it was like one of those heads like you put a wig on. Yeah, I don't know what they're called, but the, it's like a head on a stand, and then you could do the hair. That's what this was. Yeah. Oh. I I feel like I remember my younger sisters having like a a jeep, like sort of like a Barbie jeep. Oh. Yeah. yeah, that's featured in the movie. Doll houses too. That's very pivotal. The, the jeep is very pivotal in the movie. I don't want to give away any spoilers. Okay. Yep. All right. Good. Um, Ooh, yeah. Six million dollar man. Six million dollar. He wow. had a little hole in the back of his head. You could look out his bionic eye. <laughs> cool. <laughs> That's creepy. Yeah. <laughs> right. Spying. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. What other dolls were there out there? Uh, yeah, maybe they'll be made. I, I got to think with the success of this Barbie movie, we have not seen the end of doll movies no. uh, coming. I think Mattel just announced yesterday they're doing like a theme park, and the, I think they're going to exp- Barbie seriously a Barbie theme park. Well, just a theme park for all of their, um, oh, all their toys. toys. Yes, and then I, I'm imagining that movie plans for the other figures from from their you know vault will be in the coming. I would so go to a Mattel theme park. Yeah. Yeah, that I sounds think that'd like be fun. that would be completely fun. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. Let's see what you remember. America has Barbie fever. What other dolls were in your dollarama when you were growing up? Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. The six three zero area code says my nephew had a boy doll named Joey. And you can learn to tie his shoes and zipper and snap clothing, etc. I remember this Joey doll because it was very controversial when it came out. The Joey doll was uh, named after the baby that Gloria and Mike Stivick from the TV show All in the Family had. They had a little baby boy named Joey, and then they put out this doll named Joey, and if I remember correctly, the big controversy was that Joey was anatomically correct hmm. when most dolls were not. Like, Kenish. Like Ken. Yeah. <laughs> right, Ken. Like Ken. But this apparently this Joey doll was everything was there. So hmm. I remember another figure like that that you could dress like I think it was called Dapper Dan, maybe. Hmm. Had the same kind of thing with you could snap clothes on, you could yeah. put a different jacket on. I yeah. think there was a female version of it too. Yeah, well, that was the deal, right? Yeah. I mean, that was you know, so you treat like the, you treat the doll like it's your little baby. Was Dapper Dan a grown up? No, it was a little, it was a, a little young, child, younger one, yeah. Because that would be creepy. Yeah. <laughs> totally. That, <laughs> someone remembering an evil Knievel doll? Oh yeah. 
We had that, too. It had a motorcycle, too, that you could rev up and run oh, a ramp over the camper. Nice. You know how many scuff marks we had to clean off my mom's kitchen That's floor? I was going to say. Probably hitting walls. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> Things like that. That go, was great. Go-bots? Somebody said go. we used to have go-bots. I don't even know what that is. Me neither. I'm not sure about that one. Go-bots. Think of the Transformers sounds when I was like, young. That sounds very Transformery, right? Yeah, it does. Mary Lou, you are on WGN. Hello. Hi. I am so happy to be on your show uh, with you, and Thank I you. just love everything you do. Aren't you nice? And I uh, just wanted to mention that I had a Betsy Wetsy doll when I was <laughs> Betsy, young. Betsy Wetsy. And the chatty Cathy <laughs> that my sister had, one of the time, one of the phrases is, do you like pickle ice cream? No way. Yes, way. <laughs> Do you like pickle ice cream? Yeah, that was one of the, one of the sayings. What a creepy thing for a dog. When, when you guys were talking about the pickleball. Pickleball, of yeah. course. So, at, so explain to my young friends here, uh, Mary Lou, what Betsy Wetsy's main feature was. Well, you could give her a bottle with water in it, and she would... Um, she would drink, so-called drink the bottle, <laughs> and she could cry real tears if you if you squeezed her body. And, of course, you had to change her diaper because you gave her a bottle. Right. <laughs> she would want herself. <laughs> that was pretty much it. <laughs> Betsy Wetsy. Betsy Wetsy was aptly named. Uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What a, well, I guess it was so, the whole process of changing the wet diaper. Very realistic, I guess, right? Absolutely, yeah. Yep. And then a couple years later, I my folks came up with a younger sibling for me who was uh, ends up being my baby sister, and I helped take care of her. So in a, in a way, it was a good purchase to get me trained to help trained them to in change, the future. Trained to change diapers, yeah. Yeah. And did you try to uh, squeeze your little baby sister to make her cry also? <laughs> Absolutely not. I just adore her still to this day. Aww. I'm glad you called up, uh, Mary Lou. Have a great day today. Thank you. Thank you. Same to you. Thanks Bye-bye. a lot. Hi, Chris. You're on WGN. Hello. Hi, Dean. How are you this morning? Well, thank you. Excellent, excellent. And I'm going to date myself here to the early 1960s. I used to have a Beanie and Cecil doll. Oh, my gosh. And remember that? I the, love the, the uh, Beanie and Cecil. Right. And you could pull the string and it'd say, hey there, Beanie boy. Hey there, Beanie boy. Uh, Beanie and Cecil, for those that don't remember, was a, a Saturday morning cartoon show, right? Yep, absolutely. It was and, one of my favorites. Loved it. Beanie was a boy and Cecil was a sea serpent, if I remember. Sea correctly. serpent, yep. Yep, and he had a little beanie, and it was just great. Right. And they did have a little villain uh, in that uh, cartoon, but it was just a great uh, oh, TV show. Wow. Cartoon. I'm going to have to Loved see it. if I can find the theme song to that, because I used to love that show, Beanie and Cecil. Yep, yep. Dean, have a great morning. I appreciate the call. Wow, there is a major blast from the past. And this is Don. You're on WGN. Good morning. Hey, can you hear me okay? Yes, sir. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Um, I made to uh, late sixties, um, extremely popular on all the you know playgrounds and you know recess. Billy Blastoff toys. Wow, they did a whole bunch of them. He, he had like this backpack that had the batteries in it, mm-hmm. and it was from a place called Eldon Toys. That, that was uh, 
a whole series of um, like accessories. Yeah. And he, he had a Robbie, Robbie the Robot. Robbie the Robot. I remember Robbie the Robot. Yeah. Wow. So <laughs> Billy Blastoff yeah. was the was the yeah. main character on which it was all based. Well, I think it was based off of a cartoon, um, and that just generated this huge uh, toy line. Yeah. That, uh, I don't know. Me and my friends all liked. I was the oldest of four, but I my family didn't buy this stuff. I, I had to use my friends' toys. Sounds like all your family wasn't too different from mine. <laughs> <laughs> it's when they're when they're a little bit older, you know, they could afford stuff like that. My yeah. younger brothers got the cool toys. Yeah. yeah. Oh, really? Very the exact opposite. Oh, yeah. Exact opposite from my family. I appreciate the call, Don. Thank you. Hi, Terry. You're on WGN. Hi, yeah. Um, I used to have a Patty Playpal and a Peter Playpal. So that was the boy and the girl. Playpal. Yeah, they were life-size dolls mm-hmm. that you could, they, they were like the size of your five-year-old. Yeah. And then I had the Thumbelina doll, which Thumbelina. you turn the crank and the baby moves. Yeah. Um, and it looks like a ruby. And then I had Garfield Goose Puppet. My Gar- sister and I both had one. Garfield yeah. Goose Puppets. Yeah, I remember those. Those are about a, a buck, I think. <laughs> Something like I've that. tried to find those for my um, for my my niece and nephew, but I can't find yeah. nobody. Not even on eBay has Garfield Goose Puppets. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what they, they completely disappeared. Very interesting. I appreciate your call. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you, Terry. Thanks a lot. And uh, coming up, uh, Perry Farrell, founder of Lollapalooza from Jane's Addiction, joining me to talk about this uh, year's Lala in just a moment. Little Lollapalooza preview. My conversation one on one with Lala founder Perry Farrell from Jeans Addiction. That's all coming up. I want to wind up a conversation. Blew up our phone lines here talking about other dolls other than Barbie that you played with when you were young. Uh, And let's go to Mary Jo. Thanks for hanging on. You're on WGN. Hello. Thank you. Um, I am now 84 years old. And I would say that at least 80 years ago, if not a few less, we had paper dolls. Actual doll, actual made out of paper dolls. Flat. It was flat. It was yeah. like a Gumby, <laughs> a flat. And um, the doll itself was maybe as thick as construction paper mm-hmm. or poster board, if you were lucky. And then it came with a book of outfits that you could cut out and they had little tabs on them and you folded the tab around the paper doll and there you were interesting interesting yeah so it was a bit of an art project uh and also you then you got to play with the dolls and change their outfits uh, afterwards yeah it was fun yeah that sounds fun now did your kids Uh uh, what would your kids play with uh dolls at all or grandkids oh. oh no Oh no! I don't even know if they make paper dolls anymore. Well, I mean, did they did they play with other kinds of dolls when they were coming? Oh yes, and that we're talking about the American Girl for oh, my daughter. Yes, who is now fifty. Oh yeah, and we even took our doll down to wherever their facility was in Chicago. Yeah. We had her we had her hair done. Yeah, and then yeah. we all went for lunch and. Dolly had a high chair. Yeah, did you? I, I, you know what? I've done that American Girl doll lunch a couple of times with my nieces who were big time into uh, American Girl uh-huh. dolls. 
and you know you sit there at the table and they have these little high chairs or these little chairs that attach to the table so you know the dolls can also enjoy the tea party that's going on at the same time right exactly and i think my son-in-law came with us and it seems to me that uh, they had some hard tea for the daddies. Am I right? <laughs> I think so. I think so. I remember left happy. every time that I went to the American Girl store, American Girl doll store, to get a Christmas gift or a birthday present or, you know, something like that, I must have had a look of horror on my face when I walked in because the clerks would come up to me and like take my arm. Uh, it's okay, sir. Can we help you? Where, where can we? What can we show you? And I was so appreciative. I didn't care what I paid. And believe me, it wasn't cheap. That much, no. <laughs> that much I remember. That uh, I was glad when they outgrew that phase. Exactly. I, I appreciate the call, Mary Jo. Have a great day today. You're Thank you, you very too. much. Bye-bye. Thank you. Uh, let's go to Susan. You are on WGN. Hi, Susan. Hi. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when I was a kid, um, my sister and I both had each had a uh, Heidi doll. And it was about six inches tall. Um, and it came in a little red plastic case. Mm-hmm. And um, it was jointed at the shoulders and um, hips and to, to, make, the, to make her... Um, put her arm up to like to wave high there was a little green button where her belly button would be <laughs> and you push that and her hand would rise, raise up oh, that's funny. well the button was green and my mom came up with oh it looks like a moldy belly button was it based on the uh heidi from the the book and uh, the the motion picture. No, we always wanted to say it was, but I don't think it was because it uh, it was you know modern dress. Right, like we wore then. That's so funny. Thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Yeah, a lot of people are remembering some of the classics like Raggedy Ann dolls, or um, let's see what else. Betsy Wetsy. Oh, we talked about Betsy Wetsy already. Uh, Thumbelina, Shirley Temple dolls, people are remembering. Cabbage Patch dolls, of course, were huge. Uh, do, be- do Beanie Babies count as dolls? Not exactly dolls, but man, was that ever a craze in the, uh, in the 1990s. Let me see here what we have. We got a lot of responses on our text line today. Uh, the Mrs. Beasley doll from Family, from the TV show Family Affair. Uh, very interesting. And uh, let's get one more here. Pam, you're on WGN. Hello. Hello. In the 40s, I had what they called a Tony doll. And if anybody remembers, that was a home permanent. Oh, the Tony you home buy permanent. For yourself. Sure. And then, then you would do that for your for your doll. So it the came doll, with everything. It came give, with the rollers and everything. You give the doll a home permanent. Correct. That sounds yes. like a chemical nightmare to me. It was water. Uh, oh, it was just water. <laughs> okay. Of course. I mean, it, it wasn't water when you bought it in the <laughs> store for yourself, yeah. but that was just water. For the doll, it was just And I still water. have the doll. Oh, really? I still have it, yes. Oh, that's great that you were able to keep it all. And it was like, 
put together with rubber bands for yeah. the arms and the wow. the legs. That's something. So, All right. uh, yeah. That, and my husband had to replace the rubber bands, of course, after that many years. Probably, they rotted. Dried, probably dried out a little bit, right? Right. But I'm, ga- I'm so, glad that Tony herself is uh, doing just fine. And he's that, right. doing fine. <laughs> <laughs> Have a great day. Thank you. You too. Thank you. The Red Hot Chili Peppers headlining uh, one of the nights of Lollapalooza. In fact, the closing night of uh, Lollapalooza, which will begin this coming Thursday. Uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers will be one week from today, uh, along with Lana Del Rey. It's a fairly mainstream lineup of headliners this year, including Billie Eilish uh, opening things off on Thursday night. Carol G also performs on the other main stage. Kendrick Lamar, uh, another fairly mainstream name in pop music, rap. Um, For Friday, the 1975 is also that night. Odessa. On Saturday, tomorrow, at, at Together, also on Saturday. And then, of course, they have their whole list of uh, performers that will be on some of the other stages starting at 11 o'clock each morning and going until, I think, 9 o'clock, 9 or 10 o'clock is the cutoff uh, each night. Um, we'll be out there on uh, Thursday, as we always are, uh, just kind of setting things up and getting uh, everybody ready, talking to people who have been, you know, who will have waited in line for hours and hours and hours waiting to get in. Um, if you want to get more info, you can go to lollapalooza.com. If you're not going, if it's one of those things where you're not even sure who half of the, more than half of the performers are, I get that. Uh, but maybe your kids and grandkids are and you want to just, you know, at least be aware of what's going on. Every year since Lollapalooza has been in Chicago, we've always had a sit-down one-on-one interview with the founder of it all, Perry Farrell, who you know from the group Jane's Addiction. Uh, We've kind of become buddies, I guess you might say, over the years. And uh, last year, uh, we stepped away from the crowds and the music and the madness and uh, once again had my uh, chat with Perry Farrell. I just wonder how you feel after all these years. We've talked so many times, all these years here in Chicago. You, I, I think that you must feel like a proud father of this amazing, amazing event. How do you reflect on it all? Yeah, I definitely feel uh, patriarchal to a degree because, you know, um, your mind expands as you get older, you start to see your, your circle of influence widens. When you're a young man, it's really basically you're trying to find yourself. As you get older, then you take on a, a, a wife or a husband and you uh, have children and your circle of influence widens. But then from there, it continues to widen to your community, your, your country, the world. So now I, I, I very much see the city of Chicago as, you know, I, I do feel like it is another one of my homes. I feel so welcome when I come in. Everybody says, welcome home. And I really take that to heart. I want to make sure that everybody has a great time, has a wonderful time, and is also keeping up with what needs to be done to kind of keep the home up. Yeah. Last I, night I, we had that with Billy and this. Um, yeah, Billy Corgan and Highland Park is big Park. benefit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Um, it, uh, I was thinking about how when we first started covering Lollapalooza, it was one kind of festival. And through the years, you, you changed it and sculpted it and morphed it. Uh, it became more diverse. It became different every year. Yeah. You know, sometimes people were going, what's he doing? And now everybody's doing what yeah. you were doing years ago. You know, you were, yeah. you were just uh, early on a lot of those things. How do you see the evolution of what you originally intended to do with Lollapalooza and what it is now? Well, the evolution originally, originally, we went to, um, I think, probably 28 cities. Back in 1990, 91, um, you had what you call major markets. And we had pretty much 28 major markets. And um, since that time, it has really shrunk. So for your listeners to understand it better, a major market is a place that you can go in, you know, there's an audience large enough that you can count on an arena, maybe maybe even a stadium. Um, I, I can't really tell you why, but in our country, it shrank down to like six or eight. Chicago being one, then you can think about it. New York, Los Angeles, and from there, yeah. you know what I mean? So, they decided not to have Lala going into uh, to all the major markets, and they just thought like, let's just go to it. You know, Coachella had risen up, and they were in one location. So uh, I, I thought, well, for now, why don't we just gather our thoughts and gather our bearings? Let's find a destination. Let's pick the best destination that we can in in America. And we, uh, we chose uh, the city of Chicago for various reasons. Um, the airports, you know, the travel. Airports, 30% uh, of, of the country can get here quite easily. Uh, the airport, really, it, it's like it intersects. All points kind of cross in Chicago. And then, of course, the way the city is run and the people. They're liberal, open-minded, uh, you know, everyone is welcome. And the idea of, of uh, tourism plays a big part. It is really central to what we do. We, we uh, cause the community to thrive. When we come into town, by the time we leave there, almost a half a billion dollars of uh, currency trades hands, yeah. whether it be a taxi cab guy, to a club owner, right. to a hotel owner. So, so Chicago has so, been great. It's uh, been incredible. Lollapalooza, and it's been great for Chicago. Everybody's wondering, you know, will this partnership continue? I know you're in talks with the, the city of the park district. Yes, right, I can announce right to you now. now that, yes, uh, the mayor has given us a 10-year extension in the park. So we'll be around here for another decade. Wow, that's yeah. fantastic. And you know, you know, to your point, the world has watched us grow. And now we're being invited everywhere around the world. My, my point about the major markets and how we lost that ability to go to everywhere in the country, 
But what we did is we changed our plan. So maybe we can't go everywhere in America, but let, what about the world? So we started to travel around the world. We picked uh, Chile as our first international destination. I'm also happy to announce that uh, next year we'll be going to Mumbai, India. And um, yes, I mean, the, the world has changed in that borders aren't so important anymore. We need cooperation and unity. The world is, you know, we're at a tipping point. We can really destroy this place very easily. You see the way global warming is affecting the weather. Nobody can argue with with anybody anymore about does global warming, is it affecting the, the world? Um, so we need to be cooperative. India is now joining America and China in, po in a population explosion, you know? And so they have to be very well aware of the, um, the energy sources that they use, um, how they, their carbon footprint, and so you, you talk about how uh, everything has changed, and one of the things that have changed uh, is uh, safety uh, and security. That's why you were at Billy sure. Corgan's uh, event last night because of the tragedy that happened in Highland Park. Uh, are you taking extraordinary precautions? I mean, you always took extraordinary precautions to keep people safe at Lollapalooza, but is it yeah. even more enhanced this year? Well, I wouldn't say it's any more enhanced than it, than it has been or, or needs to be, but I think at the root of it all is really these laws that allow people to just grab an AR-15 and start firing from a vantage point. So that's where, to me, taking precautions... Listen, man, we're not talking about muskets anymore. A musket takes you, what, like a minute to reload. You can bring a guy down if he's shooting at you, if he's using a musket. Isn't that, we're not using muskets anymore. So we have to be understanding of that. And we have to reach into our hearts and say, look, for the safety of everyone, for the safety of our children, we have to kind of detail how we go about protecting and uh, making sure that we can have a great time and thrive. Since the last time that we talked, you know, during the pandemic on our TV morning show, um, I started a cooking segment because we couldn't get any guests, couldn't get anybody in the studio. So I've started this cooking segment. It's taken off like crazy. Really? I can't believe it. So now, uh, now that I'm talking to people again, interviewing people again, I'm asking for recipe ideas. Are you a cook at all? Do you have a recipe that Etty. you love Etty is that you can do? That I can do? Yeah. You know, my forte is bachelor food. For years before I was married, I was amazing at coming up with a dish 20 minutes or less. Good. You know, you can start with uh, my favorite dish. I would say what I like to do is I wake up in the morning and make a, a record selection. I put on a record. At least one side will I play. And I'll make a breakfast. It'll always include uh, a beautiful juice. Um, and then I get into the proteins. I'll do an egg. And then within the egg, that's where you can go crazy with omelet. So you can put in your uh, mushroom and your avocado and your tomato. 
um, and you know um, the, the spinach that you all these things that you get at the farmers market and then uh, maybe even a goat cheese with that and then uh, a sourdough bread only one slice yep. uh, and I'll use either uh, uh, olive oil or, or uh, butter a little butter but then you know that that meal, that one meal, as they say, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. There you go, a Perry Farrell omelet. <laughs> that is about the most perfect forecast you could provide us for today. Oh man, it's the best, isn't it? It's so nice outside. It's gorgeous. Uh, the temperature is perfect today. It's not too hot. It's not too steamy. It's uh, just uh, like the perfect day. Yeah. Uh, what will you do uh, when you finish your uh, duties? Here at WGN today. Andy, you're about to uh, take off. What do you have uh, planned today? Uh, I really don't have anything planned, but uh, now since I heard that weather forecast, I think uh, enjoying our new patio furniture might be in the cars today. Maybe a quick little nap outside. Look at you taking a snooze outdoors. Why not, right? Yeah. If there are any seagulls listening, uh, we can provide you Andy's address (laughs) if you want to fly overhead. (laughs) Hope you Target have, practice. Hope you have an umbrella. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Need to get one. <laughs> out there. Uh, uh, how about for you, Don? What are you and your newlywed wife going to do today? Yeah, my wife, uh, Gretchen, is already at the softball fields um, off of Irving Park and Lakeshore oh, Drive. Oh, my oh. sister, Kelly, uh, and her wife, Jen, are playing softball there. And their son, Landon, uh, who is uh, nine months old now, um, Gretchen's watching him, so I'm going to go meet them there. Oh, I think. Very nice. Yeah, very nice. You can't you can't beat outdoor fun. Uh, I'm going to do uh, some yard work today. Nice. Oh yeah, which sounds you know like torturous work, but I actually I love it. It's, yeah, it's very meditative for me. Like mow the lawn kind of stuff. Well, I'm I like working in the dirt today. Gotcha. <laughs> I think I'm going to work in the dirt. So. Uh, I'm warning the neighbors right now. I'm going to be a big sweaty mess. <laughs> Blasting uh, the Barbie Girl song. Hide. Oh God! <laughs> wow! wow. <laughs> uh, hide the kids. It's not pretty <laughs> when I get a good sweat going on. Uh, but that's what that's what I'm going to be doing. I, and a lot of people I can see already are headed down to the beach mm-hmm. uh, out on the lakefront. You know, it'd be great to be out on a boat. Oh, yeah. yeah. Isn't today like a perfect boat day? It is, yeah. Just the water's so blue. Very inviting. It's very pretty. Uh, but disturbing, though, about like all these stories of uh, injuries and deaths on, on the water. The What do they call it? The playpen? Yeah, playpen, yeah. That's right. Um, th- that's uh, very disturbing to me. Yeah, the last few summers, it seems like we've had some yeah. just grisly accidents there. Look at me taking a perfectly nice subject of enjoying the day. <laughs> Because I'm not 100% sure that boaters, somebody told me that boaters don't need to have like any sort of license to operate a boat. Is that true? I have no idea. I've never driven one. I believe it is true. Um, I I haven't driven one here in the city, but um, anytime I've rented one anywhere i've never i've just never hop needed right to show in, a, right yeah i never needed to show a license yeah i haven't for a long time a friend of mine had a boat and we'd go out and i would operate the boat all the time i have absolutely no training whatsoever <laughs> right once again completely unqualified to do the things that i do uh but I, I and i wonder is that why we are hearing about so many problems like that you know, problems on, on the boats and in this this playpen area it just seems like a boozatorium uh, yeah. over there. Right. Where water. people just go out on the water and their boats 
these lethal, you know, potentially lethal machines, and uh, they're out boozing it up all day. Lake Michigan's frat house, I yeah. feel like. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, 312-981-7200, if anyone's got more info on that. We get into our food time show coming up in just a little while. Summertime treats for you today. On my TV cooking segment this past Wednesday, we did some summertime desserts. A huge response to the no-bake lemon pie that I made that was, I got to admit, delicious. Made a strawberry rhubarb cobbler, uh, also very good, but this uh, lemon pie that I made just could not be any easier. And on a hot day like we were having this past week, these really ridiculously hot, steamy, uh, unbearable days. Uh, nothing more refreshing than uh, a pie like that. Um, so uh, we'll get into uh, some other summertime recipes. I wanted to get into uh, uh, corn on the cob uh, grilling. Uh, personally, I think it's blasphemous to boil uh, corn. I know a lot of you do it. That's your preferred cooking method. Uh, God bless you if that's what you like. Uh, you're boiling away all the flavor, in my opinion. Uh, that's why I love doing it on the grill, where you can actually enhance and caramelize the flavors uh, a little bit. But I'm going to uh, uh, I'm going to be uh, uh, talking about different ways that you can do uh, corn on the cob. So that that will be coming up in a little while. As far as uh, the boating uh, experience. Um, I'm, I'm really cu- curious. Some of you are um, uh, maybe listening on boats right now. I, I would be very curious to know what kind of um, requirements there are before you get behind the wheel of uh, a boat. Uh, do you need to, uh, you know, have some sort of training? Uh, do you need to get like a driver's license? Nobody can get behind the wheel of a car. Uh, you know, without, legally, without uh, having a driver's license first. Uh, but can you do the same thing uh, on a boat? And somebody told me that you, you didn't need any kind of license uh, to go out there or not. Or, you know, the same rules don't apply regarding uh, driving a boat while intoxicated uh, as compared to driving a motor vehicle while intoxicated. Um I just be kind of curious and from, you know, to hear it from some of you who actually go through it is uh, what I would love to learn. Uh, 312-981-7200 is the phone number. Uh, Some, let me see here, is uh, 847 area code. Um, It says a boat license is only needed if you operate a paid charter. Otherwise, all you need is cash. Well, that's for sure. They mean to operate a boat. Yeah, but don't people say that the best thing to do is to, uh, uh, you know, have a friend that's got got a boat because they're so expensive to uh, operate. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. Do you need insurance for operating a boat? Asks the six three zero area code. I mean, it would be wise to have insurance. That's for sure, but. Uh, is it required like it is for operating a motor vehicle where it's you you are you know legally you're you're not supposed to drive a car unless you've got auto insurance is that the case with boating as well 
And, you know, my concern comes from these stories that we hear every summer, but it seems like it's even worse this year of uh, accidents. Uh, This week we had a death uh, out on Lake Michigan, apparently from the... uh, uh, the uh, playpen area where the you know the boaters kind of anchor in, spend the day, and you know dr- just drink up a storm. Um, and I'm just wondering um, what the uh, what the requirements are before you go out on a boat because I would imagine on days like this, and we're going to have some some nice days coming up uh, that people are going to be out there, and um, you know how how safe is it? To be out on the water, 312-981-7200 is our uh, telephone number. And uh, let's go to the phone lines, and we'll start off with Kate. You are on WGM. Um, hi, Dean. I uh, once owned a sailboat, raced it uh, up and down Lake Michigan. Um, and again, yes, all you need is money to buy a boat. Um, if you take out a loan, it needs to be insured, you know, just like if you, just like anything else. But if you pay cash for it, no, it doesn't need to be insured. But, of course, you would insure it. You don't need any lessons. You don't need any license. And that's the perils of boating out on Lake Michigan or the Chain of Lakes or anywhere else. Why do you think that is? Doesn't it seem Um, like there should be some requirement? Oh, sure. I mean, if you have any experience out on the water, you... um, you wish there were a requirement. I, I used to dread um, the 4th of July fireworks. Nope. Remember when we had them out on the lake, sure. the 3rd of July, and sure. the entire city would shut down, and friends would want to go out. But unfortunately, there were so many people who the only time they ever took their boats out on the lake, other than coming from the boatyard, was that night. And they didn't know how to operate their boat. Yeah, I, and, and, and I, then, sp- I spent you... one. I spent one terrifying third of July on a friend's boat uh, out on the lake. I thought, "Wow, how cool is this going to be? Watch the fireworks from right under the fireworks." And it was so crowded, and boats were bu- literally bumping into each other. That was, um, exactly. It was so crowded, and everybody was smashed. Everybody was drunk. Uh, it, it was one of the most terrifying nights of my life. Well, the responsible boaters were not. You are, the captain of the boat was not. Because, you know, if it's your boat and if you're the captain, you bear the responsibility um, for your boat, first of all. You don't want anything to happen to it and to your guests. Yeah. Um, and, you know, those people, are, I'm not going to judge, but if they'd been listening to the weather forecast, which somebody on the boat should have, they would have come in long ago because the warnings were out there of the pending storm and it was going to be high winds regarding the death this week in the the playpen yes. we knew that the weather second, was bad yeah. and secondly there are all the navigational lights you need for the breakwater you just need to know where to look for them so when you become a boater you study those lights you study you learn how to find the harbor mouth, et cetera. But you, you have to take it seriously because it is like um, driving a car. <clears throat> more, it's more so than driving a car. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, what do you need? 
I mean, it should be it should be licensed like air, airplanes are licensed. Should, yeah. You need a pilot's license to get up in the air. If you're going to operate uh-huh. something that which is motorized, it seems like there should be a requirement that you you are proficient with safety uh, regulations with the operation of this you know uh, vehicle vehicle is not the right word but you know what i mean well, uh, right it's uh, a craft a craft, it's a craft. A craft uh, this motorized craft uh it seems but, seems like somebody should say okay you're we checked you out and you know your stuff you know you you can become um you can get a certificate through the coast guard um and that will depending on the certification that will allow you to take people out on a charter um you can get a license, all the com- commercial um, fishing boats out there that take people out for recreational fishing, they're licensed. Um, again, if you're going to, if people are going to pay you to take them out, then you, then you must have a license. Yeah. Um, but even a sailboat can be dangerous, may not have its motor on if you don't know, if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah, of course. So I, I love Lake Michigan. I, I, I loved sailing. It will always be in my blood, but um, it's, it is very, very sad when accidents happen, like did Thursday night, and I feel very badly for the family of the woman who was um, killed and for the rest of them. But yeah. Well, and, and, just, and you know, the, it just, just like a motor vehicle, you know, thank goodness most of the people are responsible. But, yes, exactly. But, exactly. you know, and I'm sure that's the case with boaters, that probably most people are responsible but you know when you start to hear repeated stories of things that are happening uh it's and then you learn yeah you don't need to be you don't have to go through any sort of training whatsoever you just hop on hop on board and go exactly you're kind of asking for trouble it seems seems to me kate i appreciate your call thank you very much i just want to get a couple of more calls in and this is jim you are on wgn hello yeah, Dean, good show. Thank you. Um, just a quick word about that stuff. I used to have a what they call a hole in the water, but uh, the, the Coast Guard puts out free safety courses that you can take before the boating season starts up. The only requirement is they've got a small booklet that you buy to read to put you up to snuff on it, but they explain to you about flotation devices, tow ropes, having a radio, safety equipment, things that you should be aware of when you're boating or sailing mm-hmm. on the lake. Yep. And it's it's a great course to take, but I guess nobody is really into taking the course, even though it's free. Yeah. It, 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 I don't understand why it's not mandatory. The, I, I don't see what the downside is of uh, right. you know having something just to make sure that if you are going to operate a boat that you are signed off as you are proficient in all the things that you find in that booklet. On the smaller lakes like Chain of Lakes, Fox Lake, and places like that, they do regulate that. They do have, uh, like, police out on the water. If you're drunk, you get a ticket or you can be arrested. Mm. So, but, um, so the so huh? the, the the laws uh, pertain to each body of water may have their own set of rules, is what you're saying? Uh the the lakes do. They you know, uh, an enclosed body of water, and the people that live around the lake in that, it's kind of like a uh, 
I don't know, what would you call it, a condo association, yeah. a lake association. They make their own regulations, yeah, sure. Yeah, no wake areas, can't have a speedboat running at nighttime, different stuff. But yeah. uh, Lake Michigan, Chicago Police Water Department takes care of that, and I guess there's just not enough of them. Yeah, the police are already stretched to the limit uh, as it is now. Jim, I appreciate your call. Thank you so much. Bob, how are you doing? You're on WGN. Hello. Good, good, sir. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. I love love your shows. <laughs> you're an, you're a very entertaining guy. Thank you very much. Um, I want to tell you about the DUIs. Yes, they it's the same as driving a car. If you get one on a boat, it's you're going to have to follow the same consequences. Mm, okay. I don't know from personal experience. I know from a friend. So yeah. Um, but, yeah, the last guy's right. The, they can dictate on smaller lakes how fast you go and stuff like that. But over here in Indiana, um, a lot of the counties will have their own patrol boats, and they'll patrol Lake Michigan, and they will patrol the, the smaller lakes, too. But, like I said, you're, you're out, and you know. If you're not driving like a maniac, they, they're really not going to pull you yeah, over. Yeah, of course, of course. The... Yeah. Um, I guess, I guess the times that I've been on the water, and it's not that often. Maybe I might go out once or twice uh, in a season, uh, but um, I, I occasionally we'll see police boats out there or coast guard mm-hmm. uh, out there someplace. But on um, weekend nights, uh, the third of July was always notorious for it. You know, holiday weekends. Packed. Yeah, just a big, big party on Packed. the lake. <laughs> all, you know, all, you, all you have to do is go sit by Navy Pier for a little while and watch the boats go by the locks and see the oh, yeah. see the parties that are going on the boats. What do you yes. think? But you like you said, if you, if the ca- if the captain's not drinking, though, the other people can drink as much as they want. I guess. I, I guess that's yeah, uh, and that's I, the main thing. You know, any times I've been on a boat, I mean, because it's so, you don't want to lose your license. You're your driver's license alone, um, let alone face all the consequences, so the captain just doesn't drink. Yeah, but it's but it's not but, a matter but, of they're, they're going to lose their. What, what do you mean that they would get a DUI? Like, oh yeah, you get DUI. You yeah. get, you'd get a it's DUI and possibly driving lose your under license the influence. That way. Yes, and especially if you got a CDL, you know, if you're a truck driver or something, you um, you you get anything like that, you're done driving. You lose your livelihood that way. Yep. But but I, I agree with your point about why isn't there anything like that for a boat? They have it for motorcycles. Yeah. Uh, you you have to get a learner's permit and then take a driving test on a motorcycle in Indiana yeah, just, before you can get you know. Just so. to, just to show you're proficient. I don't want any more laws than you know we need. To, no, but, no. You know nobody it's wants more regulation. But if uh, you know if it's going to make things a little safer, what's the big deal? What it's not that big of a deal, Bob. Yeah. I appreciate no, your call. Yeah. I thank you right, so have much. Have a great weekend. All right, my friend. Thank you very much. We'll get into our food time show, Chicago Radio's only cooking and dining show, in a minute. A couple of more things to wrap up on our conversation about boating, safety on the water, a couple of uh, interesting texts, and uh, Joyce on our phone line to wrap things up on the subject. Uh, Joyce, you've been a boater for how long now? 60 years, over 60 years. Wow. Okay, so and, uh, you've got some experience the out there. The first thing we did, we bought a boat in the winter, and we took the Coast Guard class because we had never uh, driven a powerboat 
we always uh, rented a rowboat with yeah. a motor on it. Okay. And it's quite different. There are rules on the water, just like there are rules on the road. And a lot of people don't know them. We have, I don't know how many people my husband had rescued from the break wall uh by the playpen because they didn't they went up there they didn't know that it was shallow water in there and they would get stuck Mm -hmm. i don't i don't know how many people threw me a line on the dock that wasn't tied to their boat i i've seen people try and put their boats in the water and they didn't untie it from their boat, so the, so the, their car was going into oh the water. Oh you, uh, the Coast Guard really is an excellent course. Now, at that time, there was no fee. I don't know about now, because that was many years ago. But my boys are right now coming back from Michigan City and their boats, mm-hmm. and they have radar radar on their boats and you should not go on the lake unless you have a radio uh, uh, on the boat because people think their cell phones will be fine there's no cell tower on lake michigan so a phone call on on your uh, phone is not going to work. Probably not going to work. But when you say a radio, you mean like a, a two-way radio so you can uh, communicate. Uh, yes, a, a ship-to-shore yeah. radio. Right, right, right. And the Coast Guard in this area is wonderful. They've, rec- they've rescued us a couple of times in a storm when uh, we've lost power. And uh, they have been wonderful, but you can't count on them. And people think they can get in a boat and it's like driving a car. It's not. A car, you're on a highway. People are on either side of you, perhaps, or, or... but on the lake, they're coming from all directions. They're in front of you, inside of you, in back of you. And you have to know what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of people just think they can get on the boat and drive. Yeah, Not true. It's obvious that that's what's going on. We've got a lot of texts on this, people offering opinions and facts well, and things like that. But listen, right. listen, to, listen to this. Somebody texted in, and this is my favorite text on this whole subject. Uh, what if boaters got a discount on their insurance if they pass the Coast Guard test every year? You take the test every year, and when you pass it, you get a discount on your insurance. I think that's a fantastic oh, good idea. idea. I think that's a great yeah, idea. Good, good idea. But the, they should be aware that it's not like driving a car. Yes, you could go in and turn it on. And the boat will go, but you have to be aware of what's going on, and you also must have a life jacket for every passenger on your right. boat. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, make, it just makes we, sense to me. It just makes good sense we, to me. We raised four children <laughs> boating, and they were never without life jackets, and we always had life jackets for uh, for our guests 
because we wouldn't allow anybody on our boat without yeah. one. Yeah, it just, it just makes good sense. So to change the subject a little bit, uh, it, it sounds like uh, you may have fed a few of those mouths over the years that you've had on the boats as well. Oh, yes. Have you? So what's your favorite, what's your favorite summertime thing to cook, uh, Joyce? Well, on our boat, we never cooked. Right, uh, not on the did. boat itself, right? No, no, because we we never had a boat big enough for a galley. Our sons do. One has a 30-foot boat, and one has a 45-foot oh, boat. Oh, very nice. And they're but you, but just you probably, on their way now from... Uh, from uh, Michigan City, I think you said Michigan City. Yeah. Yes, but I'll bet you probably and, uh, you I'm, probably I'm made here that they got home safely. Of course, of course. You you probably made some food at home and took it though, right? Like what yes. was your what's your yes. favorite? Made, what was your favorite? Sandwiches. We okay. we had uh, two coolers on our that were built in on our boat. It was just a little twenty uh, four foot boat, and. Uh, that's how I fed my children there. Yeah, but well, they will deliver to your boat, too, of to course. the docks. Yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds like uh, you've had uh, some great times and passed that love along to your kids. Joyce, I appreciate your call today. Thank you so much for calling in. Uh, the reason why I'm asking summertime foods, because uh, this past Wednesday on my TV cooking segment, I made uh, a uh, no-bake uh, lemon pie with cream cheese and condensed milk, and it could not be any simpler. You know, don't have to turn the oven on. You don't have to turn the grill on. You don't have to do anything except mix all the ingredients together. Lemon juice was in it. Uh, what else uh, did I put? I th- that's basically it. There were only about three, four ingredients. Uh, and then I started looking at some uh, no-cooking things that you can do for summertime, like things things that you can make and you don't have to – you know, cook anything. You don't have to turn your stove on, your oven, your anything. And, you know, like sandwich rolls, uh, you know, came to mind. Uh, avocados come to my mind as a great summertime dish. And what's uh, what, what I've uh, enjoyed is taking an avocado, cutting it in half, taking the pit out, of course, uh, taking the avocado flesh out, the meat, I guess you might call it, and making up a, a nice, uh, like a tuna salad, a light tuna salad. And I like to make my tuna salad without mayonnaise. I like it with mayonnaise. But, you know, if it's going to be out in the hot sun, <laughs> mayonnaise mayonnaise and the hot sun are not exactly uh, hand in hand. Uh, so I make mine with olive oil. I put uh, celery and green peppers, uh, salt and pepper. I like to put a little oregano in it. That's the the Greek style in me. Uh, but it's delicious. You make up this tuna salad, and then you you know you take a scoop of it and put it right in the avocado. Uh, nutritionally, it's got everything that you need, but it's a nice, very light and refreshing dish. And you didn't have to turn on the stove. You didn't have to turn on the oven. You don't have to turn anything on. You know, just open a can of tuna and add a few ingredients to make this delicious tuna salad that goes inside the avocado do you have some favorite summertime things and especially if it's something that uh for which you don't have to do any kind of cooking at all those are the recipes that i love simple simple is better Uh, a few weeks ago maybe a month ago something like that on tv i made a gazpacho the uh, cold 
uh, tomato, cucumber, green pepper uh, soup that is so delicious. We make a gazpacho. You know, I, I'd like to make it a day or two ahead so all the flavors can mix together, and then I put it in the fridge for a couple of days. And uh, it's super icy cold, you know, when you finally uh, serve it. Uh, really, really delicious. It's tomatoes. I put tomatoes, uh, cucumbers, uh, some onions, some green pepper. Uh, I like to put a little clamato juice in it. Not tomato juice, but clamato juice. It's a little more flavorful. I just add, put it in there just to add a little more of that good uh, texture. There's uh, vinegar. Uh, if you're going to make it uh, the true Spanish way, uh, there is a red wine vinegar uh, that you use. Uh, it's not it's not red wine vinegar, but it, it is a uh, a red wine that's a little heavier than traditional red wine vinegar. It's not balsamic, uh, but it's uh, th- that goes in and adds uh, an authentic touch. Some olive oil, salt, and pepper, of course. D- dill, fresh dill is delicious in it and uh, let's go back to the old avocados again i love avocados you take some avocado chunks and put it in you know you serve up the gazpacho in you know individual bowls of course and put a little uh, fresh avocado on top of it oh brother is that delicious so good uh and you didn't have to turn on one stove one oven no nothing uh and it's uh you know it's all it's all uh, delicious uh, a nice uh, salad, uh, for example, of course, is uh, delicious. Uh, I made a salad. Uh, I didn't. I didn't cook it, but it was cooked. Obviously, roast roasted chicken. You know, you have some leftovers, something like that. After you, you, you know, you roast the chicken. Uh, I put chicken. I put uh, uh, red peppers, red bell peppers in it cucumbers uh i put in some fresh corn uh and uh what else uh, what else did i put i had some ranch dressing in it i love those little sesame sticks uh i think those are really good in a salad tomatoes uh so i mean there are a lot of a lot of options on these warm days uh to uh you know to um uh, uh, you know you, you treat yourself to a delicious meal uh, you don't have to turn on any heat source at all, and uh, it's uh, extremely refreshing. Really, really nice. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. Now, April, I'm curious about this. What you're calling out your clean out the pantry salad? I lo- I love the concept. I, I do. Uh, well, you know how vegetables start going bad, and you're, but you know you've got a little bit of time left with them. Like right now, I am literally eating a salad. That has um, some grape tomatoes, um, peppers, corn from corn on the cob that I, I didn't even cook. I just cut it off. Oh. Kidney beans, black beans, um, peppers, yellow peppers, I think. Nice. And then I just add a little olive oil. And I'm a, I love to go to Spice House, and I'll just add a different seasoning. Oh, nice. Or if I make a lot of it, I'll split it into a few different containers and put a different seasoning on it or maybe look up something online if you have a lemon or right you know how you end up with a stray can of kidney beans from making chili or something <laughs> right 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 but, you know i just uh, an edamame 
also. Oh, I love edamame. Edamame so, is still You just delicious. never know what you're going to have. And like I said, I just pull out a different seasoning and little olive oil, and there you go. Yeah. Done. I like, uh, I like for, for just a fresh dressing, olive oil. I put mm-hmm. not even a teaspoon of, uh, of a nice mustard, like a Dijon mustard, and, Ooh, and, and some lemon. Uh, so it's got a, a bit, bit of a tartness to it. It's got that nice, just not overpowering mustard flavor. Mm-hmm. The mustard yep. really yep. there is just to kind of emulsify it a little bit uh, yes. and, and the olive oil. And it fits any salad that you can possibly think of. You're talking, Correct, about, yeah. talking about all these beans. I made a, a yep. salad a few weeks ago. It's become one of my favorite salads where it's, uh, I take cherry tomatoes and cut them in half. I take if I, I if I have leftover corn, it's an extra treat. But it's mostly cucumbers, green pepper, uh, the tomatoes, and garbanzo beans. Garbanzo beans, mm, yummy! With this uh, dressing, and it's so filling. You don't even have to eat a lot, and it's filling. Exactly. Delicious. And if you have any healthy. leftover meat in the fridge, you can cut it up yeah. and throw it in there too, if you yeah. choose to. Yeah, some nice well. uh, chicken in there would be. Fantastic. Well, and, and and your pantry winds up being nice and clean. That's right. <laughs> I love the idea. All right. Great idea, April. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Let's try. Uh, Dave's uh, got a nice salad for us in the summertime. What do you have for us, Dave? Well, I take it's just all uh, tin pantry ingredients, uh, tin of corn, tin of uh, garbanzo beans, tin of black beans, and a tin of tomatoes, all uh, drained, but I retain the liquid Yeah. Uh, because what I... Uh, and I mix all those together with uh, one of those packets of uh, taco seasoning and oh. a half a cup of uh, dried minced onions to soak up any excess liquid. Mix it all together, let it sit in the fridge oh. at least overnight. And I uh, got this, uh, I call it southwestern salad. But with the retained liquid, you take that and um, in Talenti jars, you take about uh, one and a, one and a uh, half cups of, of that liquid for each uh, Talenti jar, and you break up and put in uh, a package of ramen noodles and the seasoning. It's, I, wow. I call it cold-soaked ramen, so the, wow. that's another thing that can be made without cooking. You have uh, kind of a pasta dish that's made with a pasta that's made without cooking. Oh, and I'll bet that's so delicious with those juices from the from the Yeah, camp. the corn, the be- uh, especially the black beans, they have that real thick, you know, so kind of a brown, that adds brown a little sauce. body to it, yeah. and the garbanzo beans also have a little starch in the liquid from that, too. Yeah. Oh man, that uh, I would have never thought to put the ramen noodles in there. That's such a yeah, good idea. You don't have just put like I say. I use because it's handy, and my sister is addicted to the stuff. The uh, those Talenti jars are, to, you know, and like I say, a cup and a half, and that uh, pretty much. You just have to flip it over because it doesn't all go to the top. So you flip the broken up, uh, um, and you get the top of the uh, that doesn't quite. Fill up the thing, uh, the those, jar. You know, the liquid two, doesn't go all the way to the top of the jar. Two fantastic and so it isn't too ideas. Wet. Yeah, two great ideas there, Dave. I appreciate that. Now, when you uh, when do, you're using canned uh, corn, you said right? Tin corn. Well, like I say, we we keep a lot of pantry items. You yeah. know, part of my uh, uh, maybe it's my prepper mentality, but having you know tin goods for yeah. you know. It's not a bad you idea. Know, the zombie I, apocalypse or whatever. Never, never know these days what could happen. I I totally understand that. And you know what? For corn, 
Uh, I'm perfectly fine with canned corn. It, it, they're a tin of corn. Uh, it doesn't bother me. Oh, I mean, you know, it's just as, you know, sometimes I think better than the fresh because sometimes you get some, that weird mildewy kind of thing in yeah. the corn when you get, you occasionally get some with that blighter in there. So. Right. You got to be, you got to be careful with, uh, you know, in picking the corn, which leads me to, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, corn on the grill. Uh, you know, first of all, picking the corn. Uh, I, you see a lot of these little scrawny uh, ears of corn that are out on the table in the store. Take, take pass those by. Look for look for ear for ears that are are uh, robust. You know, if you can just peel back the silk a little bit, so you and, can and see the kernels. And not like little ears of corn from like in Big when Tom Hanks eats the little uh, Asian <laughs> no, you know prep corn. No, no, you want a nice hefty looking ear of corn that's kind of kind of milky exactly. you can you can kind of feel when it's uh, milky but those are the ones that i like now what i do some people say you know you can cook them in with the silk and the the, the uh, uh around it uh you can you you soak it in water first and then you can put it on the grill but it's a mess once it's cooked it is an absolute mess to, to clean it while... You, you take the silk off as much as you can. And one of the things that's also, you take... I don't know if, you, if they even still make them, but the old uh, gunny sacks, we soak those down, and you're, you're actually steaming the corn yeah, when you're grilling it. Yeah, that's why you, you want to soak them in water first. So you, so you can do them that way. Some people wrap them in foil. Uh, you know, Put a little butter or oil, olive oil is what I like. Uh, and you wrap it in foil, and it's it's basically about every seven minutes, and give it a third of a turn, seven minutes and a third of a turn, and you know you can cook it. it I've even done it without the foil on it, so I can see because I I like my kernels to be uh, a little bit brownish, a little bit burnt. I like, but you know, little, you, little you can, caramelization. I there. like the caramelization. It's just sugars that are coming out, and it's it's a, such a big difference from uh, when you boil it. And you boil to me. You boil out all the flavor uh, in it. So give all those things a try. We're going to have some nice weather, Dave. I appreciate your calls and your great ideas, and I hope you have a great day today. Thank you. You too. Keep your powder dry. Live long and prosper. And may the force be with you. I'm not sure what that means, but I'll try to do some of those.